That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers the toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, quarantine edition, we're on the inside, inside of our homes. It's an inside job. Weed delivery and pickup blows up across the country, and it's growing season. Are you ready, friend? Dan busts out his buster sword with the Final Fantasy VII remake, while Andy takes out his frustrations on internet opponents in Albion Online. Finally, we take a quick look at the High Times Hemp Cup and games that have been coming out in April. We'll also be settling in for our smoke sesh, so stay Stick around for that because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only, his hair is down to his ankles, Dank Dan. Andy, wash your hands, don your mask, because this episode is contagious. Ooh, isn't that fantastic? I mean, contagion's not fantastic, but I do like the idea that somehow our episode will spread like wildfire through the internet. Viral. Because what else are you going to do, really? Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Hey, Dan. Nice to connect with you, buddy. Um, I haven't seen you or any other human being other than my family for about four weeks. It's uh, it's nice to get you back on the phone. Yeah, it's been a little bit of isolation. I see the odd human being in my in my travels uh, to and from work. But it's you know, it's funny. Uh, life has changed for a lot of people. For me, it's about the same. Uh, I'm still going to work and I still see the same 16 people every day. Yeah. So you're basically in normal life then. Yeah, I mean, the streets are barren like a a zombie apocalypse, and I can't go buy replacement headphones for the ones that have inevitably, we all know there's like a ticking invisible counter on every pair of headphones, and uh, my blessed red red headphones have just clocked over, they're ready, they're done. You know what you need to get? What's that? A nice pair of $320 Apple AirPod 2s. Hard pass. No. If you had a pair of those, Dan, I think your life would be a whole lot better. So let me tell you, uh, when I when I lose the functionality of my uh, my Sony bass enhanced headphones, they have a lifetime <laughs> warranty, and uh, they originally like I don't know forty bucks, and I go to down to the source and swap them out. If I lose one of those headphones, which they are extremely losable, they're about the size of four chiclets. I'm just done and out three hundred bones. <laughs> Listen, pal. Well, here's what I can tell you. Here's what I can tell you. I've had AirPods for like I don't know, like three years, and I bought them on a whim and thought to myself, you know, I'm going to lose these AirPods immediately. I bought them knowing full well they were going to get lost. I've not lost one AirPod yet. And I've had two generations of them, but here's the twist: I did lose the case. <laughs> first, <laughs> Given the, the choice, that's yeah, the move. I, I lose the, the case. I still got the AirPods for that AirPod specifically, that unit, the original one. But somehow, I I don't know. I must have been holding the case. I was on a phone call and I put it down somewhere and walked away, and that was that. The, the thing with the AirPods is they go in your ear, so unless you do something really silly, it's pretty hard to forget about those AirPods. 
you know, losing the case of your AirPods is like a warning shot from the universe. <laughs> Just giving you a little bit of warning across the bow. I think that makes you the outlier, Andy. Yeah, and, and I love... But it, it's pretty crazy, though. Like, it's like losing your... Like, like losing losing your clothes dryers instead of losing your socks. Still got the socks. The dryer is missing. Yes, exactly. The the, <laughs> the dryer has just slipped between the couch cushions. It's, it's I've, gone. I've known you for a long time, Andy. And and when as I get to know people, I like to think uh, about how they are in certain ways to understand them. And your brain is a serial device, and I don't mean like Weetabix. It deals with one input and one output at a time, whereas I have a parallel uh, brain input. I'm, I'm chewing on many things at a time. And what that gives you is the advantage of extreme focus. I've seen right. you hunker down and, and churn into something for like four or five hours. And in that entire time, you could have a one arm ablaze and you wouldn't know. <laughs> You wouldn't know it was on fire. This is how That's you right. like set anything. It, once you're on the phone having a, a serious conversation, that thing that was in your hand, it could have been a glass of scotch or your or your AirPod container or like a baby wailing. You would have just <laughs> set it down. And the second it leaves your hands, it's not even in, like a, a message that there's something in your hands. It, it, it doesn't exist anymore. That thing has <laughs> right. fallen off into the nether worlds of oblivion. And, and that's know, I how really I really can't, I cannot disagree with you. Um, it, yeah, when I get taken to a place and I'm in the, in the zone, everything else could literally be burning down and I just will, will not notice. And unfortunately, that's how you lose some AirPods. But the AirPods themselves, they're in my ears, Dan. And they're yeah. also my connection to the outside world, so I don't lose those lightly. So one one vote for AirPods. Here's something that you, you probably haven't noticed, and I'll, I'll let you know next time I do it. When you're distracted with anything on the phone, with anything, if I hand you an item, I can take whatever item's already in your hand. You will not notice the interchanges taking place. <laughs> You've been taking a lot of advantage of me behind my back. Like, just no, taking in, advantage in of the situation. You. No, I really directly know in front of you. Yeah, I really want to know what other psychological uh, psychological backdoors you found in my brain. Front door. <laughs> front front door. doors. Front, uh, front doors. There's a welcome mat. I never it says, use, welcome, Dan. Take everything. I never use my forces for evil. I, I always do it just for my own amusement. But I've handed you all kinds of things. Rolls of paper towel apples whatever it's great it's because in that state i'm accepting of things i'm i'm ready to take anything on you just mm -hmm. give me whatever this is yeah. a, a cat that's fine I'm this is part of the cat. mission now this is this is mission cat i love yeah. that got I it love that. well it's nice to reconnect with you dan uh, yeah. despite the fact that I, I discovered that you've been playing some naughty pranks on me in my focus mode that's mm -hmm. okay that's all right Speaking of naughty things, it took us about 50 minutes to get this podcast going because my microphone was feeding back a naughty little electronic noise into, into my computer for like 50 minutes. And unfortunately, it's still it's still in my brain, Dan. That's what you would have heard. Is sending a message out to uh, Computer Amnesty International saying, this man has been working on me for 20 hours a day without stop for four weeks. Someone send the police. Audacity gave the classic Apple non-verbose error of, yeah, this won't launch. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to work. Yeah, Audacity went straight to the dock and did not open. <laughs> it, just, it arrived and then turned around and left. It came to your house 
sat in the front yard for 15 minutes, and then booted it. That's that's what happened with Audacity. So Logic Pro is taking taking the wheel now. You got to love an Apple message. It's like you go to launch it, and it's just like, I don't know, man, plenty of worlds, lots of applications. Well, see you later. <laughs> well, at least it's simplistic. You like contrast that with a wind. And listen, I understand that you're a tech guy. Yes. But contrast that with a Windows matches, which is like uh, invalid kernel 0573EX2 error code unknown. Basically, light your computer on fire because this isn't going away unless you spend some money. I call those skronk codes, and I like a good skronk code. It's you like, like uh, object failure at line 48, bad execution vector. I'm like, ooh, let's see what's going on with line 48. I can hear you getting hot over there, Dan, it's, and I don't like getting it. warm. It's upsetting. Oh, skronk. <laughs> Man, work from home. So, you know, uh, w- welcome, friends, to the Purple Dungeon Squid podcast. If you did not know, if you have not listened, this is a podcast about weed and video games. And I did see a meme earlier today that made me chuckle. It was a, an enormous cruise ship. Uh, sailing between or in a very narrow channel between two stark cliffs and um, the cruise ship is me playing video games mm-hmm. the left cliff is COVID-19 the right cliff is economic collapse and there's a little tugboat pulling it through that channel do you know what that tugboat is called Dan what's it called weed buddy yeah <laughs> it's weed. welcome to our new it's, segment segment called memes explained it's memes ex- memes it's described in in excruciating detail it's a heater um, <laughs> for sure but um you know we're all we're all stuck inside now and so i think that the the consumption of weed and the playing of video games is up i'm not sure anybody has a real metric steam could probably spit something out for you um as could snoop dog but uh, with respect to how much of those things people are doing, the answer is in, uh, definitely a lot. Definitely, De- definitely quite a bit. A lot. It turns yeah. out many of us have been training for this our whole lives. Our whole lives. We're putting in the hours. Except, you know, unfortunately, in my case and in many people's cases, being able to work from home just means that you just work the whole time. You know, there it's 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 just like without the commute, I was like thinking in my mind because I commute you may know Dan I commute like two hours each way every day mm-hmm. yep and that's usually productive time I'm on the phone or whatever it is but like regardless that's a big chunk of my day thinking to myself wow I'm gonna be in front of my computer for that extra four hours I mean like game over I'm gonna be so much more productive no man no I just I just don't I don't ever stop you know I I, I don't it just never finishes and I, I know Almost everybody I'm talking to is in the same boat. They're just going. It's like you get out of bed, you start working at 7 a.m. on some emails. Pretty soon you look up and it's like 11 p.m. And this is the 15th day in the road doing that. It's pretty weird, man. You have one of those jobs that is uh, a one more thing job. There's always one more thing. It's like civilization. Uh, There's always one more turn. (laughs) It's like like Civ, man. Yeah, you're not wrong. You know you have a long commute when you've considered making a personal pan pizza in your car and what that would entail. You know, at first it's I'm pretty sure I could engineer this cigarette lighter. I got some <laughs> I got some animal crackers I could grind into flour. We could make this happen. But I I know it's crossed your mind. Oh man, actually, you know, you're really you're really uh you're really sparking something again. I had an idea cuz I have an older vehicle. We just got a newer vehicle, but of course, my wife gets that. That's for the lady. That's for the lady of the house. So I have an older vehicle, an older CRV, and over the past 
six months since it started. And let's let's be really explicit here. It's not that old. It's like a 2010. So it's like a 10-year-old car, fine and dandy. But um, it's got about a half a million kilometers on it because I drive so much. Ouchie wawa. And at this point, like if you do something wrong to this car, if you make a fatal error, you know you're in the you're in the home stretch anyway. So really, who cares? So in my mind, this is the optimal time to install an espresso machine. <laughs> install every you know every retro video game console that I have in my home into various places in the vehicle. Are you sitting in the passenger seat? Congratulations. Good news. Sega Genesis for you, my friend. <laughs> Are you in the back left seat, Super Nintendo? We got a NES if you're in the back right. And if you're laying in the trunk while I drive down the road, there's no seatbelt back there, but you will have a Nintendo 64. You'll be held closely by the nostalgia of that console. That's it, buddy. I just have a vivid dream of being able to back my CRV into an empty field filled with hundreds of people pop the trunk and suddenly we're all playing smash brothers you know what i mean like that feels right except no people yet because social distancing but in the future yes that's correct andy um you also need to get some speed stripes decals for the car now that the resale value isn't uh there's no resale value no it's gone buddy i'm gonna do everything obnoxious to this car that i can i'm gonna put stickers on this guy I'm going to, I don't know, what else can you do? I'm going to get a big muffler, novelty size muffler. It now has tow-away value. Right? <laughs> oh, it's funny that I'm, I'm talking about the future being, like, I mean, previously the future was being as distanced and remote from human beings as possible. The future was, you know, being at home and, and transmitting your, your, your face and body thousands of miles through the internet. Now the future is when we get to see people again. One of your one of your employees is going to get a very inappropriate loneliness hug when you see them. <laughs> <laughs> no, Andy, I want to uh, segue off from that high note to uh-huh. uh, some some quarantine life hacks, and uh, I'm going to give my note. I found myself wearing the same clothes all day and night: my pajamas, my comfy clothes, and so to class it up. I now have a rotation of day comfy clothes, afternoon ah. comfy clothes, and nighttime comfy comfy clothes. And it's really it's really done a lot for my psyche. Let me tell you something, pal. Um, I'm actually a firm believer that you have to change your clothes at least once a day, like twice when you get up and then when you go to bed. Otherwise, something like the 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 staleness of that day, like wearing that whole day mm-hmm. from bed to bed. Mm-hmm does something debilitating to my mind. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I've been chatting with folks and, and you know, um, everybody and their mother's doing Zoom meetings now, right? And everyone's on Zoom, even though they're leaking all our information to Russia. Yeah, but, um, China, China. <laughs> whoever, whoever wants, whoever wants to see pictures of me in my bathrobe and what I'm talking about. Right. But um, <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, everyone's on Zoom, a lot of people are in their PJs. I got to get into at least like jeans and a sweater Mm -hmm. like that's the minimum that i can change into to then feel good at like 9 p.m when i change out of it otherwise if i go from sweatpant to sweatpant it just does something to my mind that i'm not comfortable with so i'm only gonna dip us in here gently but uh let's just say that i wanted to romance my my lady and i realized i couldn't do that to her in um sweat shorts (laughs) so (laughs) 
basketball jordans so, so i slid on some slacks and then and then went to do my thing and she's like did you put clothes on to proposition me i'm like you bet i did oh like, that's nice God. that's just considerate buddy that's just romance yeah, that's, that's just romance. romance good for you pal a pair of maroon you. slacks say it's it's the perfect time yeah, that's it. You know, it was my wife's birthday recently, and um, I, we had, uh, or I had a bunch of uh, our mutual friends and her friends send over a little video so I could stitch them together and, and just play her a little video on her birthday. So sweet, it was very sweet. So considerate, very yeah, nice. Yeah, well, I, I'm not saying it was very sweet from my perspective. It was very sweet to, that everybody contributed because mm-hmm. all I had to say was, hey, let's do a thing. And then everyone else had to record videos, right? Sly, so, you sly uh, dog, outsourcing. That's it, pal. I came out looking like a hero, but I did very little on that front. But uh, but yeah, no, it was, really, it was really nice that everyone did that. I did see you in that video, and your hair is very long. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Not only has my hair come to just uh, sub-nipple length, but I've I've started to grow uh, what can only be described as uh, a plague beard. (laughs) (laughs) I think, dude, everybody I know has a plague beard, right? Including myself. We're all going plague beard. It looks like I've been sent a wash on a raft into the Pacific, Um, other than my portliness. It's like I've been a wash there for months. Maybe if I, I ate my two co-raft mates. Yeah. Like day yep. one. Nice. Like day one, well we eat Frank, and Frank's like, he dies, and Jim's like, hey, man, um, you're not going to eat me next, right? I'm like, no, 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 Frank, he was no good. Jim, you're all good. Cut to just me finishing one of Jim's legs. <laughs> well done yeah i mean I, like i said i think almost everybody is growing uh, a ridiculous beard at this point because i mean you know why not every man is at some point wanted to see what their beard looks like grown out but generally the pressures of of the social world stop you from doing that so when you're at home you know why not and i actually found myself googling how to successfully make this thing happen. Because you get to a scraggly point yeah. where you're like, what's really going on here? Right. And um, so just some quick tips, because this is a beard podcast. Mm-hmm. Don't trim that mustache. No. Train that mustache. Train it. You got to train it. You got to not, not trim it. A lot of people make that newbie mistake of trimming it. And then you get that weird long beard with like the short manicured mustache look. Mm-hmm. Not a good look, mm-hmm. friend. You got you to train that thing with some beard oil. Now, I didn't have any beard oil, so I used olive oil. And I don't know if that's a worthwhile substitute, but I'm going to keep going with it. Andy, you're Greek. It almost jumped out of the bottle at you. <laughs> I almost used some feta brine, but uh, decided to, decided against that. The white chunks were not super becoming. Um, Andy, let me ask you a beard question on our beard yeah. podcast. Uh, in terms of the mustache trimming, do you let it go past the lip line? Are you trimming above the lip line, or are you letting it go down full like uh, Sam Cowboy? Yeah, you see, you gotta get, you gotta let it get down there so that you can train it to the side. That's the secret, right? Because mm. most people, you get your beard coming into your lip, that's uncomfortable. You start chewing your beard like a dwarf. Right. You don't want to do that. You don't want to nibble on that thing. You want to let it go. You want to get that beard oil combing it over. You got to get the beard comb over. Is what you got to get going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, anyhow, so we'll all look pretty haggard by the time this is all through. Like, I, what I want to do is I want to get to my office on day one with my with my full beard for one day, 
and then it's gone. And then it'll go back to normal. You want to waltz in there like you've been lost in the Laurentian Mountains for 60 days. No, I want it to be triumphant. I want to walk in there like a like like a man of the north. Oh, I got you. I you weren't like lost. Like a lord of Winterfell. You, you weren't lost you, in the mountains. You were surveying them. That's right. No, I was building a colony in the mountains, and I've returned to claim my birthright. Building a colony? Who are you colonizing with? <laughs> the details that uh, are better off left unsaid. No Weed kidding. delivery has really blown up, Dan. Have you Hasn't noticed? Hasn't it? <laughs> it's been my world for a long time now. But um, but yeah, man, I mean, uh, Ontario uh, just recently allowed for weed delivery and curbside pickup. It shut down all of our legal cannabis stores here for a few days, and that was a terrifying time. Um, but they've since reopened with, uh, with pickup. So you can order online and pick up outside, and then um, and then delivery, which is coming shortly for m- most of the legal retailers. There's one or two that have it now, but uh, pretty exciting times, man. Being able to order weed to your house like a pizza on the legal side of things. I'm sure you've done it before on the questionable side of things, haven't you, uh, Dirty uh, Dan? Uh, allegedly, and the timeline's important here. Like Ontario went okay. Everyone stay at home except for essential workers. And the banner notes were, don't worry, grocery stores, pharmacies, the LCBO and the beer store, which is where we get our fine liquor libations, and cannabis stores will be open. And everyone cheered. And then how many days later, seven, eight days later, they were like, not you, cannabis stores. Yeah, yeah. Liquor store is cool. Cannabis store is no bueno. Which is insane, because if you brain that out with your math thoughts, what that means is is people aren't going to just stop smoking green. What they're going to do is go to their dealer again, which is a guy who's either everyone's going to him or he's going to everyone, a.k.a. a super spreader. And at the same time, you're crippling all your fledgling legal boys that put all the money up and actually can provide some level of safety uh, that have been open. How long uh, have legal establishments been open? Is it eight months? Eight? No, no, no. Eighteen months, Dan. Eighteen, 18 months. months. There you go. I've lost. I lost uh, a trenta of months there. But <laughs> just crippling this fledgling business, and luckily they found a midway. But it, that just blew my mind. Yeah, that they they were going down that route. But day one after the legal stores shut down, I'm on Instagram. I've got ads for black market delivery services. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, uh, there's there's one notable, very notorious black market um, cannabis store in Toronto. They have a few locations. Um, the, the, they, the city and law enforcement have been trying to close these guys down. I don't know how hard, but presumably pretty hard for, you know, well over 18 months. They've dropped concrete blocks in front of their building. They've done pretty much everything they could. And yet these people are open. They've got a professional website. They've got a Google listing. Andy, these guys you sound can... like heroes of the people. Yeah, I don't know about that, my friend. Because, like, I mean, it's just like, you know, like you can be whoever you want to be, man. I mean, there's, there's, but the thing is, is everybody else went to the legal side of things and we're doing things like, you know, paying tax dollars. <laughs> There's that supporting the legal infrastructure of of cannabis and and the legal process that people have sunk many billions of dollars into you know facilitating from and employs many thousands of people right and you know you got a couple dudes who are like nah we're just gonna do this thing over here it's cool no problem now Andy <laughs> they might be paying taxes 
There's certain eagle. Uh, sorry, there are certain legal enterprises, especially in the states, uh, that are running sub rosa from the county and the state authorities. But they're paying their federal taxes because they're not yeah. idiots. These folks are not. <laughs> they're just sending their taxes. They're just sending envelopes full of cash that just says drug money. <laughs> I don't know, man. Anyway, you know, the day after these legal, all the legal stores closed down, you know, you've got these guys doubling down on their on their advertising. They're they're doing free delivery. They're open ten to ten. They're lined up around the block, and you're like, "Policia, right there, man! Like they're right, they're over there." Well, they're doing, well while doing while thing. Andy's narking out and understandably <laughs> so, I just think it if you are the authorities, like the province. What your thinking was like? We'll just make all le- all legal weed unavailable, and the public will understandably stand down till we tell them it's time. Like, do you remember the way it was before the before times? That's where you're going. You're <laughs> undermining true, yourself at the worst level, and just to, and to then keep beer stores open. Uh, and listen, I know we have there are some functional and non-functional alcoholics out there that if they don't get their medicine, they actually might straight up die. But you you can make that argument for weed as a medicinal source as well. But also just a social lubricant like uh, my prediction for this shut in is we're going to see some uh, Corona babies. They're going to start in December and they're not going to stop till March, depending on how long this goes. You're going to see uh, some divorces. And uh, you're going to see some people make it through with the kind helping hand of uh, weed and alcohol. The uh-huh. ever, the ever giving uh, peacemakers. Let me tell you something. Weed, not going to. You know, anyway, we don't need to talk weed versus alcohol. I got a bar Please cart don't. downstairs and I got a full vault full of weed. So like we're sorry, vault for anybody <laughs> who's thinking of driving to my house immediately to rob me is <laughs> like is like 7 grams so let's not get carried away with it. Andy ourselves. better put your address up there just so they know where not to rob. <laughs> I but gives this would be the wrong house to rob not because uh, I'm so up on self defense but because you just not that much you're going to get. <laughs> it's just not not worth your while unless you like board games or video Guys, games. Guys, this guy has it. organic nutmeg. I'm telling you right now. Let me tell you nutmeg. Paul, I got a nice spice rack. But uh, regardless, um, what was I saying? Oh, I've lost my mind. <laughs> you were about to go on a rant about weed and alcohol? Yeah, no, I don't want to talk about weed and alcohol. What I want to say is is that legal weed, important to make sure that we still have you know access to that. But the challenge was previously, you know, yes, legal weed um, has, has made some tremendous strides over the last 18 months mm-hmm. because... It, you can walk into the store and, and it's a safe, clean environment. And, you know, you've got product with a Health Canada sticker on it. So you know that it wasn't packed by some dudes who are fending off, you know, illness and coronavirus somewhere in a dark corner of Canada while they package this stuff for you. They were, you know, uh, packed in a certified facility and and, and given that nice little excise stamp, right? Yeah. So yeah, those, those things are important in a time when you're dealing with a, with a pandemic. Um, but because the stores are closed and now it's delivery and online, you know, you're, you're, you're now competing with the very Googleable, very easily findable online delivery services, which are operating in every major city in Canada, you know? So it's, it's a weird spot. Like now it turns to the point of, well, you know, how much harder does law enforcement need to go after illegal cannabis delivery? Not just because it's the right thing to do to support an industry endorsed by the government, but because it's also kind of a health issue. You know, the police mainly have been told to ignore weed crimes of all kinds. 
other than the very, very top, 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 because part of the what was supposed to be the ancillary benefit of legalizing is to not jam the courts full of weed offenses, which is ideally yeah. what we'd see. But I, by what you're seeing, I can see the impact. And I mean, the provinces have not made it easy for the legal guys to flourish for a number of reasons and this was just another body blow but i'm i'm glad that it's looking like it's not they're not down for the covid count yeah man i mean you got to give it to the provinces for opening it back up for legal weed retailers right like you know i mean great that's that's the step that needed to happen and it happened very quickly like let's be honest a government making a call on that on reversing legislation that stopped cannabis retailers from delivering and doing curbside pickup like government backtracking on that in like 48 hours. Like that's me clapping. Wow. That's 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 a big that's a big move, you know. You know, now, I'm sure that Dougie Ford rolled out that statement, the premier of Ontario, and then I can just picture the the multi-line switchboard to his left just like light up right after he says that they're closed. He's like, "Oh no." <laughs> Doug, Doug, I thought you were the chronic, Doug. Uh but yeah, it's uh it's just yeah, it just highlights some of the challenges with you know, and if you're if you're in the states and you you know we're talking about the United States, this goes doubly so, right? I mean, you know, California has had its own you know fair share of kind of battling this, but at the same time, it's it's difficult to manage that because it's not federally legal. You know, when you talk about imagine a federally legal United States with all of the permitting and the due process and the investment and the infrastructure that's required, just like up here, you know, to put together a legal cannabis industry. And then you got people cutting corners and not participating in that, but still making money off of cannabis. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I can imagine the United States going after that pretty heavily. And I, I dare say probably more intensely than Canada because, you know, well, anyway, that's a matter of perception. But um, right now, it is very frustrating to see so many of these illegal operators still doing so, so boldly, right? Like so easily findable, so Googleable, physical locations in prominent, you know, uh, uh, cities in, in Canada. It's just it's hard to see, you know. I, I get you, especially from where you're sitting. I wonder how long did it take for bootleggers and rum runners from the end of Prohibition? Long time. To like become not a thing. Because if you and I wanted some bootleg hooch, it, we'd be hard pressed. Like you can't go to hoochmaps.com and find a rum runner that'll bring you some discount, you know, uh, fire water to your door. I wonder how long that took. And I wonder if. A long time. Yeah, yeah, I think that the case study was like was well over. I mean, I sorry, I, I don't have the quote, but like well over a decade, like a long time, right? And you know, to be clear, it's not it's not the guy who's growing his plants and then sharing cannabis, or I don't know, I, I don't even know how to how to position this, but it's anyhow, it's just it's so it's like how can I put it? You know, no matter what you say in here, you're gonna come out like a narc. Well, that's fine, but by the same token. <laughs> Let's also understand that Canada is, you know, on the leading edge of legalizing weed, man. We're setting an example for the world on how to do this thing. And we all, like, what do you want to say it, however you want to say it. I, listen, I talk to people every day who are defending legacy market producers. They're talking about the fact that many of these people have been in the game a long time. They're talking about the fact that these people, you know, fought for legalization and, and, and you know, deserve a part in it. And I, I hear all of those messages, right? You know, I, I can't comment on how easy or difficult 
it would have been for those people to find their way into the legal channels. There's been plenty of hurdles on that front as well. Um, and, and it's totally understandable that, you know, people want to participate in cannabis and have been doing it a long time and deserve to be able to do so. However, like from the perspective of leading the cannabis movement globally, you know, if we're putting in place a system to help people put money into building businesses and being a, a global example of the cannabis movement, and then we're not doing anything to back up that system, well, you, you can see where that kind of falls apart, right? Yeah. And I guess that's the devil's advocate challenge that Ontario and the provinces, they didn't take all comers. They said, good news, everyone. There's a lottery to see who gets a store. Everybody sure. give us money. And, you know, if, if you're one of those guys that didn't hit big on that weed store lottery, I could see you like maintaining what you're continuing to what you did previously. Like it was it, it is a little bit imperfect in its execution. And, you know, you can see you can see how it's problematic. But I guess this is how we do the future. We stumble into it with a broken leg saying we're going to work this out. This is going to be fine. Yeah, man. And I get it. And like, listen, you know, uh, the cannabis cannabis industry in general has moved so quickly and changed so much. Like even in Ontario, it's gone from lottery round one to lottery round two to lottery round two controversy to, okay, we're scrapping the lottery. Now everybody's going to be able to apply and start opening stores. Right. So, so like things are changing rapidly, right? I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's a perfect system and that, you know, um, it's necessarily been super inclusive for everybody. In fact, it's been very challenging even for the people who are, you know, have the money to go out and do the thing, right? Yeah. But by the same token, you know, as as we, we've got to be pretty proud of the fact that we legalized cannabis and have, you know, enormous consumer goods companies that are growing this product that was 18 months ago illegal to possess. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the real stretch. It's 18 months ago, totally illegal. Two weeks ago, essential service right? <laughs> with man. the water and the power. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm really glad it was reversed because the reality is as the as the country that stood up and said, you know what? Weed is a thing that is legal, right? Um, we got to do whatever we can to back that up. And if that means that a couple bad actors who are, you know, not playing by the rules, regardless of their noble intentions or their heritage, you know, listen, man, if DNA genetics can figure out a way to get into the legal channel, you know, if, if if half the guys who are, you know, started growing cannabis in the Amsterdam underground scene in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s have found their way into the legal channel in either state legal um, operations in the United States or, you know, by partnering up with licensed producers in Canada, let's just be real. You can get in. You can find a way. And we'd love you know to see I mean? them. We'd love to see them all at the table. That only yeah. benefits, you know, the, the consumer. Well, Canadian cannabis needs to get cooler. That's one of the one of the challenges, right? Like, no, it's true, man. I mean, you know, there's a there's a couple key parties that are that are kind of moving in this direction now. But let's be real, like cannabis culture has been high times. It's been somewhat underground. It's been a cultural thing for many years, you know, and you know, Canadian cannabis kind of stumbled into the early days of it being like, okay, is this like, like a lifestyle, like, like craft beer slash cosmetic product? Is that how we're going to market this? And, 
you know, a lot of the retailers and a lot of the companies that make these products kind of started there with no reference to the history of cannabis, with no reference to who the cannabis consumer is. They're just coming out with like lifestyle products that they thought were cool and branded and sexy and fun and were made for the new consumer, not the guy who's been smoking weed for 15 years. You know what I mean? Well, the guy who's been smoking weed for 15 years deserves to have a cannabis experience that's both legal and also made for him. You know, because those are the guys that are buying most of the weed in Canada right now. Yeah. Now I'm ready for your product pitch. I'm ready to put my money down. (laughs) Good. I'm glad you liked it. (laughs) Oh, crap. Well, anyway, you know, obviously I feel passionate about this, but um, regardless, it's exciting to see, man. It's exciting to see every day there's a new innovation in Canada in the world of cannabis and, and, you know, the province opening it up for delivery, man, you can, you can be at home today and you can order some legal weed to your door. And I think that's pretty cool. So, you know, one thing that the, the pandemic has exposed for me, Dan, uh, how smelly a pair of slippers can get. Yeah. That, and also how bad my internet is and also how bad so many people's internet still is. Hey, word up. Uh, what's with your internet, man? It's like three meg internet. There's no way that that is the fastest internet in your area. I refuse <laughs> so to believe it. And here's how I know my buddy Taylor lives around the corner from you and he has fiber optic bell. Step up your shit, my man. Step it's, it up. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's so bad. Like, you know, today I was downloading a file and it was, I think, two megabytes. And I I had time to go to the bathroom and pee and come back. And my file had just finished. I got the ding just as I walked in the door. It's pretty embarrassing. Um, Yeah, maybe it is just me. That's 56K territory, bud. That's so bad. That's not not in the today times. That's in the before times. Like, seriously, you need to make a call. This is a phone call problem. Yeah. It's just such a long time on the phone lines, Dan. Like, who has time for that? So I wanted to go up from 25 to 50 meg with the excellent folks over at Tech Savvy, future sponsor. And I just sent their sales guy an email. I'm like, hey, man, can I go to 50? He's like, yeah, buddy, there's a $25 activation fee. I'm like, done and done. And that was it. Wow. That was it. That's service in the age of technology. Oh, I but, loved you know, it. It's not just me. Like, a lot of folks that I'm Zooming with, um, people who uh, are are lamenting the fact that they're trying to play games online, but you know, are, I don't know, and I don't know if it's the volume of users that are on the internet like all day right now. I don't know if that's the issue, but boy, is it just a tremendously bad experience when you have bad internet and you're stuck in your home. A bunch of times during quarantine, I have gone to make a phone call, and it's gone do do do. All circuits are currently busy. And, wild. <laughs> or in use. That has literally only happened to me twice before. Once years ago on New Year's Eve when I tried to make a call like right before, right after New Year's to, to a friend. And once on like a, a May 2-4 long weekend, once ago, like six or seven years ago on old Canadian technology, I was assuming. It has never happened to me at like 2.30 p.m. on a on Wednesday. A yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's super weird. It's just, you know, there's just so much that's little things. And, you know, we can't understate the fact that this is a very serious scenario. But by the same token, you're also living your normal life as normal as it can be. And there's just these little inconveniences that you just, there's so much we take for granted. Isn't there, Dan? Yes. Another sanity life hack that I've taken on. Buy one of your favorite cereal boxes that you loved as a kid. For me, cinnamon toast crunch the family size and Mm. i've been crushing that for the last five days 
oh my word, is that not the perfect morning? Am I cooking well eggs? Am I making some complicated morning porridge? No. Cereal, bowl, milk, kabam, joy. <laughs> Good for you. You know what? I mean, I think that in the world, and I don't do a lot of wake and bake. That's reserved for like cottage time weekend. yeah long weekend at the cottage that's that's when wake and bake is appropriate but i gotta tell you a fresh bowl of cereal after a wake mm. and bake does not get much better i have to mention it must be said fruit loops the ultimate wake and bake cereal it has I to be said f- i feel like that might be scrub territory and the only reason why i say that is probably it was one of the allowed cereals in my very repressive household so there was honey nut cheerios and then like every third pass fruit loops would get mixed in there and Mm. yes it was a nice reprieve from the honey nutted cheerios but to me that that falls into the scrub territory with shredded wheat i'm not talking about frosted shredded wheat i'm talking about the old school shredded shredded wheat that looks like a hay bale and then your mom's like it's called shredded wheat you can put what is it it's wheat that we shredded your mom's like you can have a half a teaspoon of brown sugar to put on it and like you do have eight pack abs but you're pissed about it we did have similar childhoods um and it's so funny because if you look at honey nut cheerios in relative degrees of sugar and carbs to like i don't know tricks or count chocula not that different guys <laughs> pretty much the same thing but as kids it was like oh shreddies and cheerios that's the health food cereal god yeah. the power of branding i haven't looked on the label for a long time i do know they got the heart healthy label because their their cereals low in fat uh. like Get the nice. fuck out of here. Not one of those nice. high fat cereals. Not the <laughs> dietary fat is bad for your heart, but let's I can't. I just can't right now, Andy. It's, we have yeah. we have to segue away from this. We have to not talk about it. Okay, top th- if if you're going to shit all over my pardon my language, but if you're going to shit all over my fruit loops. Yeah. <laughs> then we have to at least give a top 3. We got to give an impromptu top 3. I got to go I got to go Fruit Loops. Yeah. I got to go Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Boom. I got to go Captain Crunch. Okay. Captain Crunch will shred your mouth into a bloody mess, but I do respect it as a... With Crunch Berries. Oh, oops, all Crunch Berries. So, okay. I got to go Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh Uh-huh. And then in increasing order of pestilence to your body, uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs. No. And then... To the final, if you just want to coup de gras yourself, like just open up your front door and put a diabetes welcome mat, Count Chocula. Ooh, okay. So Count Chocula, like for me, any cereal that has marshmallows in it is mm-hmm. no bueno. It, they make a weird, they make a weird squeak in your mouth, and it hurts. Andy, and I don't Count, like it. Count Chocula isn't the monster. You're the monster. Yeah, and buddy, I gotta say, Reese's peanut butter cup cereal or whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. does not taste like Reese's peanut butter cups. It doesn't it have taste to. like taste like nothing. You're wrong. Tastes. It's just a uniform, vaguely cocoa-flavored sweetness. Andy, you got a bottle rocket up the nose when you're a child, and your taste is wrong now. Speaking of things that are wrong now, uh, I have never eaten cereal with my soon-to-be wife, and I discovered today she does not finish the milk. Come on! She pours the milk out, and I I turn to her, I'm like, that's a war crime. What you're doing Divorce. is a war crime. Divorce. Like, I don't. I don't like it. I'm like, pour it in your goddamn coffee. 
buddy, that is disgusting. I like your I like your I like your girl. She's, She's great. Good. She's good. She's good. That's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't that's like one of the best parts. Like it, the experience of most cereals is pure joy on the first bite when you get the milk and the super crunchy cheer, uh, food. Uh, depending, unless you have one of those mouse shredders like uh, Captain Crunch when there's a wince of pain. And then it slowly gets less good as you finish it because it's starting to get soggy. And But then at the end, when you have that chalice of sugared flavored milk that you get to drink, then you're back up to 10. Mm. To step mm. away from that. Mm. And it's refreshing, especially oh. if you've eaten it quick enough that it's still cold. A little oh. cool. Yeah. A little cool in there. Boom. On your tongue. Uh, I'm upset how strongly we feel about cereal. Listen, I'm glad that we're al- we're aligned on this. Really, um, just going to ask you to take a minute after this podcast and evaluate your pending marriage. I, I'm going to look at it long and hard, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's worse things, Andy. Well, that's good, because she won't be looking at anything long and hard, am I right? Boom, got him. <laughs> badoosh, badoosh. Um, vape pens are the un- unannounced savior of quarantine. I must, It must be said, uh, for sure, for sure the rising star in popularity. Buddy, you can pop one of these out, especially you got kids in the house. You know what I mean? It's like bed-ish time. You're winded down for the evening, like... A little puff of a vape pen, that's very easily concealable because you, you ain't going out, especially if you're in a condo or something like that. How about yourself? You, you, you hitting any 510 carts these days? i tell you what happened, buddy. I had my vape pen. It was the evening. Uh, my sweet, sweet lady and I were adjusting sleep cycles as I was coming off a night shift. And so I, I was carrying her to bed to put her to bed because I'm a sweetheart. So I hoisted her off the couch and... Put her or put her in bed, and then went back to the couch. Somewhere during that operation, my vape pen fell into the fifth dimension. I had it on the couch. <laughs> I went to the bedroom. I came back. It is nowhere. It's not in Gone. the couch. It's not under the couch. It's not in the chair. I've I've torn the house apart looking for this. It's just gone. Uh, listeners, if you know where my vape pen is, just uh, at me on the Purple Dungeon Squid. Let me know because I am. It's gone into the upside down, Andy. Has this ever happened to you where you just uh, had something and then it just evaporated? Like the only explanation is that a raven swooped in, <laughs> saw the glint of its glory, pulled it out, and it's now being used as like a fortifying structure for a net somewhere. I got to be honest. Uh, it has and it has recently. I had one remaining granddaddy purple joint. And anybody who knows me knows that granddaddy purple is my jam. That strain is the ultimate. If like you've ever dealt with anxiety, like me personally, if I'm when I say anxiety, I mean like worked up because of like a long day of stressful interactions, you know, like that you can't and then you can't turn off and you're just agitated and uncomfortable until you fall asleep. Granddaddy Purple is the murderer of that condition for me. Anyway, what had one last Granddaddy Purple joint. I was super looking forward to it. I had it in my hand, I put it down, I went to the bathroom, came back, joint's gone. It's gone, Dan. It's gone. Do you, do you know where it went, Dan? I found it months later. In the vent? No. Where? In my car, Dan. Oh, what? In my car. Tell me how that happens. Know. 
I don't know. Maybe it like I put maybe I put it near my theories I'm working on. Put it near my wallet. Rolled into my wallet. Rolled out of my wallet when I threw it on my passenger seat in the car. That's theory number one. Theory number two got stuck in like a pile of papers. Right. And and I don't know, got stuffed in my work bag, got removed and fell out of my work bag when I removed those papers from my work bag, landed in the car. However it got in there, however it backpacked its way into my vehicle, I was very happy to find it many months later. Could it have been a different joint? No. Nope. Tell me tell me how. Same joint. The so this joint specifically is a 0.35 gram joint from 48 North. It is a brown uh um uh I don't know if they use raw or, or what what paper brand they use. You could have just said distinctive joint. Distinctive. You could have just you could have yeah. just said that. Only had one box of them because you know, I they were out of stock in Ontario for quite some time. Only had one box of them, and mm-hmm. that was the last joint. Wow. Wow. That's quite the thing. I was really irritated that evening, though, and had no other weed. Was bankrupt. Ooh, Just bankrupt. Bankrupt. Yeah, but, buddy. Um, I'm sorry to hear about your vape pen, pal. I've got a, I've got an extra one for you if you need if you need one. But I'm okay see you for, for a while. now. You know what? It's a personal growth moment for me because my pet peeve of all pet peeves is losing something, like not being able to find something. Now it is stepped down a notch from my ultimate piss off, which is. If I know exactly where I put it and it's not there, then then I'm falling into a rage. But mm. the fact that I know that some ethereal force has scooped it, I can. There's a certain amount of peace that that bring that brings me. I don't know why, but that's just how I'm set up. Nice. I like it. I like it. I like it quite a lot, actually. Um, geez, Dan, it is weed growing season, my dude, and mm-hmm. I have not yet sprouted seeds. I need to get that going. ASAP, are you uh, you doing any? I know we've discussed this already, but you're, you're going to do any growing this year or no? I am. I'm going to do a bucket grow, and I need to get some seeds. So my next project is to research what the best ones are for our climate and that that situation. So that's going to be my move, man. Yeah. Well, you want to so so in Canada uh, or anywhere in the northeast and north kind of thing uh, is you want uh, a quickly flowering. Uh, generally indica because usually sativas take longer to uh, to flower and you get into the territory of um, uh, of potentially if you get started especially if you get started late a flowering going well into like after frost territory kind of thing right so yeah you got to get some of that that quickly flowering indica and yeah just like a nice bushy delicious indica dan i'm i'm trying to find me some granddaddy purple seeds now here's here's the real Real challenge, maybe my only complaint of the legal territory. Not a whole lot of seeds available, Dan. Not Are you telling much. me you're going to have to go against your code to get a seed? Well, no, that's that's not the case. Um, okay, the, all right. I can I can be gifted seeds from uh, yeah from somebody cannot, that you give purchase. money to on the internet. <laughs> no, no, I cannot purchase seeds. Cannot. Purchase I heard a popular way are. is you buy them flowers, perhaps a dozen flowers. And in exchange for that gift, they give you a couple seeds. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think that's much of a thing, my dude. <laughs> but I'm just actually looking at the Ontario Cannabis Store. I'm wondering what they have for seeds because 
I bet you it's I mean, a bummer. I bet you it's well, a big old bummer. You know, it's it's just I want granddaddy purple seeds. That's what yeah. I want. I want to yes. grow that because that's what I need. And uh, so <laughs> that's I'm going what to I have need, to find... Dan. That's what I need. OCS has no seeds. OCS has no seeds. The only seeds I've really seen on the market are Tweed. And Tweed, I, th- I believe, if I'm thinking correctly here, had an Afghan Kush. Uh, sorry, they had a Hindu Kush. They're Baker Street. So they had a Hindu Kush seed and they had a Candyland seed, which is their hounds too. So um, either of those I'd be happy to grow. Quality quality strains, quality seeds. Um, just none here right now. So uh, if there's a if there's a friendly friendly man out there who wants to uh, legally uh, gift me some seeds for nothing in return, mm-hmm. uh, howdy ho, neighborino. You got a strong pitch there, Andy. It's very strong. I tell you what I'm going to do. Is it I'm illegal go- if I give my friendship back? That's the question. I don't. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and find some seeds and I'm going to gift some to you. That will be the legal channel through which you uh, receive them. It sounds more like a legal channel. <laughs> go ahead and define slightly, what a legal channel is. Slightly underwater. And there it is. That's actually not bad. Now that That's pretty it. good, right? Now, you save that. Because I, I don't believe you had that going in, but you sticking the landing, having not had it, is almost better than having it. You know what I'm that's saying? That's it. You gave me like a good five seconds. That's nice. But sometimes that's all you need, I'm told. It's like when you accidentally spill cinnamon in your tomato sauce and then discover it's delicious. Okay, you lost me again. <laughs> Points no, that's off actually the board. Really, that's actually really tasty. You should try really? it. Really? Really? I shit you not. Okay. Do me yeah, a my favor. My Italian grandmother did that. And, uh, you know, I was one of the only things I, I learned about her. So she had a great tomato sauce recipe. Um, teenage <laughs> years of being super baked, coming home and having a giant bowl of delicious pasta smothered in Parmesan cheese was uh, a very fond, fond memory of mine. But she would not really teach everybody, anybody the full length of the recipe. Like my wife and I... Um, uh, we're with her in the kitchen. We were like, okay, you're going to show us how to make this fucking tomato sauce. Like, please, right now, we were, we're learning. We're learning today. And she's like, of course, of course. And um, I don't know what was going on. She was she was teaching us how to, how to do the thing. We were following directly. At one point, she had one of us go grab some cans. Another point, she had the other one of us, you know, go downstairs and let the cat out or something. And in that time, there was some secret magic that was infused into the sauce because like a week later, we tried to make it the same way. No bueno, not the same. You wonder what the dark secret is. It's like the grandmothers of the world are fighting for job security. Like you're going to get a replacement outsourced grandmother. Be like, sorry, we know your, your cinnamon tomato sauce secret now. So this is our new abuela She'll be taking over. I don't oh, care. So they're like, the they're like, when I am a gone and in the ground, you will feel the absence in your stomach when all your food tastes like a shit. <laughs> and as we do, as we do, because these days my tomato sauce pales in comparison. It's pureed tomatoes and onions, and that's pretty much all I got. Oh, Christ alive. Did you know, Dan, that the High Times Hemp Cup... Has just concluded. I did know that because it's in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. So this is um, this is a uh, a cannabis cup for non THC CBD flower hemp flower, right? Mm-hmm. This has gotten really popular in European companies as well as in the U.S. So 
it's pretty wild. Like you can find some super stinky, dank looking, like terpenoid infused um, flour in the U.S. And people are buying this all over the place because weed is like not legal in most places yet, but it's kind of becoming legal. And, the, you know, the um, the hemp bill that passed last year, the farm bill, allows for this to be sold in most places. Right. And so. um yeah, it's uh, it's quite the thing, Dan. In that, there's now like a grading system for how good this this connoisseur grade hemp flour is. Have you tried hemp flour before? I've had like very low THC. What's what what is the THC got to be at? Does it have to be actual hemp? What's what's the situation? Yeah, here? it's hemp and under. So it's under zero point zero three percent. Or sorry, zero point zero three percent. Uh, THC. So essentially, you would have to smoke. Uh, Impossible. Can I thirty? Let me just finish. Let me just. I'm just going to finish if you don't mind. You fuck. That's what you <laughs> so you'd have to drink a drink. You'd have to smoke thirty three joints to get the equivalent of a one percent THC experience. Thirty three joints. Yes, yeah, so you got to go full Snoop Dogg to get one percent THC. Got you. Yeah. So, um, and like this is how, so this is, it's interesting because I mean, especially for people who can appreciate the deliciousness of cannabis flower and flavors, like you could, you can do a lot with this flower. I presume, you know, you could mix it in with your joints if you wanted like a more regular, you know, you know what I mean? Like I could imagine. Instead of tobacco. Yeah, you could be you could be rolling spliffs with CBD flour and you know stretching your weed quite a bit, or if you want just something a little milder, you you feel like puffing down a full joint, but you don't want to you know you don't want to be blitzed, you know you could sprinkle a little bit of your of your higher THC cannabis in there and smoke mostly hemp flour, um, but I, you know it's interesting that there's been a can, like a full cannabis cup put together, and some of these winners are quite interesting. Uh, the first place was a Hawaiian haze hemp CBD flour by Gold Standard CBD. Um, and then second place was zero G CBD flour, but they also had like concentrates. So these are like dabbable CBD concentrates. Uh, I think the winners here were number one was luxury hemp live resin lot by Magu's nectar. So this is a, this is a live resin made with CBD flour. Dabbable looks delicious. I'm sure smells delicious. Will not get you high. How interesting is this? So you're smoking this imagine out of a dab rig. But you're not hot. How weird is that? A bizarre, bizarre that you would dab hemp. Like those just seem like opposite. Like, hey, I got a fifty cal uh, rifle here. I'm like, oh yeah, that would that would take down an elephant. He's like, I only fire blanks, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, like the rest of these make more sense, right? You've got um, an edibles category. So this is a CBD infused edible huge category in the US right now like people yeah. are buying CBD edibles and beverages like it's going out of style tinctures you know of course the same thing um, vapes a lot of people are vaping on CBD uh, cartridges etc um, and then you've got pre-rolls so you know it's funny because like you've, <laughs> not only do you have pre-rolls now you also have hemp cigarettes which a lot of people are using to you know kick the nicotine habit right to, to not be smoking tobacco. Um, I can tell you I've tried some of these hemp cigarettes and they taste horrible to me. What do they taste I, like? You know, man, um, 
I'll be, like I, I haven't been a smoker, like a cigarette smoker for well over a decade, right? So I don't really remember what the flavor of tobacco is. Uh, I have to imagine that they're, you know, flavored in a way to kind of resemble tobacco, but it's all just hemp. So okay. it's, yeah, it's interesting. The pre-rolls, though, is obviously a different product because it's meant to be more of like a joint connoisseur grade, you know, terpene flavor kind of hemp experience. So I think number one is the Paradise OG Hemp Keef Joint by CBD Hemp Direct. It just, it's just fascinating. <laughs> just really interesting. Andy, what is the market being an, uh, an industry insider for hemp products like this? That are assumably high in CBD? Well, it's like a lot now, uh, to be a lot. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> but no, for sure. Like, you know, especially if you look at some of the um, some of the industry trade shows in the US, CBD products over the past 18 months have been largely focused on like tinctures and they've been focused on um, edibles, beverage a little bit, a lot of vape products. You know, there is a period recently where most CBD um, consumables that weren't like, you know, an edible or, or a gummy that you might buy at a um, like a, a convenience stand or like a bodega or something like that, you know, those products were all vape carts. So you'd go to a convenience store in New York City, for example, and you'd buy CBD in a cartridge, right? But I don't know if it's because of the vaping crisis that happened last summer. You know, where where carts in general really fell out of favor for a little while there. Yeah. And I imagine that especially if you're talking about like a health product, you know, the cart, ugh, people are using CBD for wellness. The cart definitely not tied to wellness right now in the United States. So, <laughs> so you've got like flour and somehow, you know, the CBD product that again, people are tying with wellness has made its way into the smokable form. And I don't know if the consumer for that product is like someone who lives in an illegal state that is really just wanting to smoke some flour. Maybe they're cutting it with some illegal product. Or maybe they're just a person who like is really enjoying the smoking process and, and wanting to smoke CBD. I don't know. But for, for better or for worse, it's very popular. I'm trying to picture the consumer, right? Because like, just so I can get it straight in my own understanding, these are hemp products, which are taxonomically different than marijuana products. It is a slightly different flower or it is the same plant except no THC. Enlighten me. Right. Yeah. Just no THC. Well, that's, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the, the flower just has, has to be bred to have less than 0.03% THC. But same plant that would deliver uh, the shattering effects that we find in other in other flower, right? Yeah. So, um, so the answer from analytical cannabis is uh, even though hemp and marijuana are both the same species of plant, there are important ways in which they differ, which is the chemical composition. It has less than zero point three percent THC, but the exact answer is yes, they are the same species of plant. Got you. So taxonomically, the same. The breeding makes the difference. Thank you. Because I was starting to get fuzzy in my head. And we're, we're supposed to know these things, I'm told. <laughs> Especially yeah, you. Mean, so, like, so I have high, an excuse. I'm an idiot. But you. <laughs> the High Times Hemp Cup has, um, yeah, I mean, they've got like dog treats and topicals and stuff in here. So, those yeah, I mean, lip CBD bombs, products. Buddy, are, you got to check out those lip balms. 
Yeah. Well, listen, man. Hemp products and CBD products. I mean, are are like I've been I've sampled a lot of them over the last three years, right? And they've gotten way better than they were at first. Like CBD candies and and edibles and products, the first kind of generation that came out were A, of suspect levels of CBD because they were functionally just like spritzing them on, right? And B, they tasted horrible, like bitter, really awful flavor. Um, And now, you know, CBD products are delicious. They're being produced by some of the most well-known like cannabis brands out there like Sherbinsky's in uh, in LA is producing a, a line of CBD products as well. Like there's just lots of cool stuff going on with CBD. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, why demand lets products improve. That's proof is in the pudding. You know, it's they're coming out of the hard tack era of bread into the sourdough, if I may borrow a bread metaphor. Yeah, buddy. Now I gotta I gotta give us um uh, on a serious, and then we're rarely serious on the podcast, but on a serious note, we got to give like a solid 10 seconds. I'm not sure if you saw that story. Um, young girl named Charlotte, um, last name Fiji. She, uh, 13 years old, just passed away. Um, and she, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with her story? No, but this does sound like a bummer. I'm sorry, and it's true, but we gotta, we gotta, gotta pay a little respect because functionally, this young girl. So she was. Um, a case study for the fact that, uh, you know, she had over 300, I'm trying to remember the exact number, but she was experiencing a ridiculously large amount of seizures. She had a condition, um, that was causing her to have somewhere North of like 300 seizures a day. It was insane. This story. Yeah. And so her, her, you know, her parents kind of at their wits end, um, started giving her CBD and, you know, it created such a dramatic impact in her life that, you know, uh, really it was the case study on the leading edge of kind of the CBD and even, you know, legalization of cannabis movement globally. Um, Charlotte's Web, a really well-known CBD company in the United States is named for her, right? Uh, And, you know, she just passed away last week. So, yeah, got got a a 100%... Boy, it really, really a heavy, really a heavy topic and pretty emotional for a lot of people, especially in the cannabis industry and the, the CBD industry. But, um, you know, got to just, just just honor that little girl and, and give her kind of a minute of, of, of silence, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Charlotte Fiji. Well, thank you for your contributions. And Dan, maybe we'll uh, we'll flip over into the next segment. Alrighty, Dan, Dan, Dan. So uh, I've been playing some video games in your isolation, my dude. I have indeed made some oh. time. It's it's one of those things. Been sitting sitting back on the old couch, firing up the old PlayStation, getting her going. I had a a dark choice to make, and there were two dark choices. First was, do I wait for all the stores to reopen to go get my physical copies that I so long to? Ooh. Or do I turn to the dark, convenient mistress of the digital purchase? Same price, half the ownership. And oh. I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed to say I bought not one but two titles on the digital store. Um, yeah. Then let me tell you, I was going, do I buy Doom Eternal or do, do I buy Final Fantasy remake one of you is just a perfect outlay um one of you is a perfect outlet 
for all the frustration and rage that's going on right now. And the other one is a nostalgic journey into my past. And so I said yes to both. <laughs> oh, and I, dude, physical copy or, or digital copies of both of those classics. You're going to regret right. that one, Dan. Sorry, and, I don't mean to be a bummer. <laughs> and both of those are very lendable titles. Like Final oh. Fantasy VII Remake especially is a very lendable title. Yeah, uh, I would have scooped will, that from you in a second. And it will sit firmly in my digital non-sellable, non-loanable, non-willable library until Sony so chooses to not even have it on their uh, servers 20 years hence. So You have that's an the, unborn son that's cursing your name right now. That, so, so, so Dan, Dan, you've purchased for your future heirs almost every notable title for the PlayStation 4 that's come out in the last five years, but for the Final Fantasy VII remake which your future brood and yourself will not be able to play. <laughs> so let's call this a tactical decision. I'm going to make a kick and then move the goalpost to make my kick good. I'm going to refer them to the copies of the originals of both games that I own, Ooh. and only once they complete them will I provide them the remastered and updated. I see. Well, that's a good one. At least you can play uh, You can play Final Fantasy VII in its full octagonal glory. But... Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man so doom and final fantasy 7 have you have you found time to play both or so, so andy i'm gonna give you the dealer's choice which one do you want to hear about first uh well i mean i'm personally most curious about final fantasy 7 because doom okay, great. Uh, although i like it has never been my has never been my my super jam so um but final fantasy 7 please do tell okay great so doom eternal is a nice sequel to the last one. I've got into it about 12 hours. Do you see what I did there? About 12 hours in. <laughs> You're the worst. I know. I'm one of the worst. And uh, I have to say, uh, on the good side, this game has sort of turned up a lot of the dials. Um, you have a little bit uh, more options in terms of your weapon layout. It drops you right into the action. Um Everything's a little bit more colorful. They've put a little bit more color and variation in the palette. In the last one, you found yourself mostly uh, in either a facility uh, on Mars or then in hell. So you're, there's there's some greens and yellows mixed in in this one. You find yourself in different places on Earth. Um, you know, you, there is some, some definitely hellish forms springing here and there. Um, <clears throat> it's got what Doom sort of is, you know. No nonsense, going around blowing up demons. And some of the things that they had previously in the last game, it's gotten more doom in the sense that the last game had sort of a suspenseful buildup a little bit and some story building and then dropped you into the action where this game drops you into the action almost immediately. And so far, there is about as little story as you can have in a game that I've ever witnessed. It's actually gone a little bit too far for me. Like, is that right? I, yeah, like it's because I feel like Doom personally. I don't really want any story. I want you to drop me in. I want limited cutscenes. I want really cool visuals. I want disgusting enemies, and I want them all to explode in a shower of b bone and gore. And, and that's I, all that's, I really want. That's there. Listen, I want some story to ignore. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if it's like. Let me give you an example. In the first mission, there's a hell priest, and you go and tear his head off very vengefully. But because I don't know who that hell priest is and what he's up to, 
it's it's not that important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I in that sense because they underscore you going and meanly ripping his head off, but because I don't know what this guy's deal is. Let me tell and, you his and deal. And what the Dan. problem is? Tell me. Here's here's his deal. He's an evil hell priest, and he needs his head ripped off, and that's all you need. I know. Full stop. Full I stop. Know. Full I get stop. you. I get you, but. I, I didn't think I'd ever be saying this, but this Doom could use a touch more story development. It only had taken like 30 seconds of voiceover or something like in-game heckling and prodding of me. Something just to make me really want to kill him. You know, so it was, <laughs> it was ultimately a little bit a little bit empty in that. And, I, and it seems to be going that way. Like there's tons of great lore in these manuscripts I'm finding on the, the floor. And... You know what it felt like? It mm. felt like I loaded into an expansion to a game I hadn't played. That's like they're, interesting. They're acting as if there's a bunch of this story that should be there that I should already know, but it's not. And it doesn't pick up right after the end of the next one. Like suddenly you have a spaceship that's mm. uh, like your command post. That's not explained. I don't know what that's about. And Earth has been invaded by by demons, which is great. I'm into that. But it just feels like there's a disconnect. So, uh, you know, I've enjoyed my time with it, but there's also some tweaks going on in the game that kind of irk me. You carry half as much ammo as you previously did in the last Doom. Doom doesn't feel like the kind of game that I want, like, limited ammo for. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's not like an ammo conservation kind of game. This is not like a Metal Gear Solid. This is not, you know... um, Oh, what's that one? Like a Far Cry? This is yeah. not a scenario. Yeah, you know, it's you're not you're not we're not going for any element of realism here. This isn't Ghost Recon, man. This I get is you. Doom. You you're need right more there. bullets. Exactly, because I the way I tend to play, I have like two to three go to guns that might change as the game goes on, and I get different guns. They usually look like rocket launcher, uh, shotgun assault rifle something looks like that and maybe one of the other guns should you need them limited ammo for the bfg all that great stuff but the reason why they've done this is they've sort of focused a game mechanic into a very singular playing style that they're enforcing and let me explain in a little bit you have limited ammo and there's limited ammo to pick up and there are more enemies in the arena type battles because basically it's like hallway hallway puzzle puzzle fight hallway hallway puzzle fight and the fights happen in these arenas that are topographically pretty interesting they have different levels and portals and nooks and things to find so that's kind of cool but as you go you're going to run out of bullets for every gun most times Uh. before the monsters are exhausted and what the game wants you to do is use your chainsaw which is uh, a square button tap that will use fuel to kill a monster and drop all kinds of ammo for every one of your guns. And the intention kind of is usually that you want to kill a mook, one of the lowest level uh, little peons to get your ammo. Because the larger demons, they take require more gas to kill and you might not have that much gas. So you got to kill a mook. Well, they tend to die first and I actually one of my strategies in this game is to target them first but you have to kill them in a special way at the right time to get your ammo to continue the game and in some arenas that I've got into I've had to repeat this 
two or three or four times to finish the larger bosses that are there. So literally you're saving mooks to chainsaw to get ammo to kill guys because you're limited bullet supply, which is a very specific sort of uh, gameplay loop or way to play the game mechanic that they almost insist upon because you literally just find yourself out of bullets. And add on to that, your melee attack, which used to definitely flatten the lowest mooks, maybe two punches at most, your your melee attack's like a, a feather touch now. <laughs> so that's it was what, like... That's what I think about when I think of a chainsaw massacre. Just a yeah. touch. Just a feather well, touch. And this isn't a chainsaw. This is a punch. This is just your punch, Punch, right? excuse me, punch. So literally, the second enemy that I roll across, because what I do is the guy on the left, I shotgun in the face. I'm running full speed, as Doom guy should. And as I shotgun the guy in the face, I'm turning to the other one to punch him in the face, as you do. And I hit him. Nothing. I'm like, mm. oh, two, two punches. I hit him. Nothing. And then I, I'm like, okay. And then I frustratingly hit the melee four more times only to shotgun him in the face because I am almost dead. It goes low health. And I'm like, so you've lowered the melee punch to almost nothing. Now later you get a blood punch ability though after you kill a bunch of guys, you can blood punch a group of guys for a lot of damage. That's just not how I like I like my melee. I can't picture Doom guy cranking you in the face and you're like, I think if you hit me with five more of those, I might be disinclined to continue. <laughs> well, that does sound like a little bit of so I mean in general the combat sounds to me like good except for this this wimpy kind of punch scenario. So what I'll say is they've stepped up the AI in the sense that before in the old game, if you run around in a circle, I could basically kite most of the enemies behind me um, shooting as I run away. Uh, they will take more secure circuitous routes to cut you off now. Like they'll half the guys will follow you in the circle and a couple of them will cut you off at the pass, which is pretty cool. Um, they've improved improved the the gibbing of the models. So as you shoot that demon, parts of his body that you've shot are going to come off. Legs are going to come off. Flesh damage is going to That's what you want, Dan. Now that's yes. the good stuff, though. Like That's, that's what where you the want when you're, when you're murking demons. If there's not like some fingers flying everywhere, you're not murking demons. I feel you. And specific weapons will damage enemies in fortuitous ways. Like uh, I for, the brainy spider demon has a uh, a turret on his head and if you hit that with an explosive round it'll blow that off taking that ability from him same with the demon with demons with the rocket launchers on their shoulders you hit those bad boys with explosives they'll break off um it and that's true across the whole pantheon of demons so that's pretty cool i've enjoyed that i have to say that the game is missing the key factor for me that makes it takes it up to like the the hallowed highs of what I think it could be. It feels like somewhere in the mix of tuning the game to be played one specific way. Also, what might have been lost is a little bit of the heart of the game. Yeah. And it, it's like hard to quantify what the heart is, but it's like that full engrossment that it's like hitting all hitting you at every level. And I think it part of it is the thinking mode that the game has me in searching for ammo and watching my bullets run down and switching to less and less favorable guns. 
I don't want to be making those decisions. Luckily, it, that, that's the man. Like Doom should be the kind of game where you can you you switch weapons because you're you're ready to kill something with another tool, not because mm-hmm. you got to. If I'm not done killing something with my machine gun, then I'm not ready to switch, and I shouldn't have to because it's Doom. I feel you, man, and that's exactly where I am. Uh, luckily, Mick Gordon, the composer, has come in and put his magic touch on this Doom as well. And the soundtrack is pretty solid. The where the fighting is like thrashing guitars, and he's like, let's synthesize a lawnmower up into this piece as well. Like he's done the right things, and that's helped it. But it, it keeps me from giving my my do this Doom Eternal the full stamp of approval. It's kind it's kind of kind of not quite there oh, i didn't even mention so they give you you have a grenade a chainsaw and a flamethrower all as special wet buttons to push that refill and it feels like a lot of to manage the point of the flamethrower is if you flamethrower guys and then kill those guys you flamethrowered they'll drop armor shards which makes it another type of like farming resource operation that you got to keep in your head. But to hit these guys with the flamethrower, they literally need to be nose to nose with you or like two steps away. So you're getting way too close to a group of demons to flamethrower. And the flamethrower get, does almost no measurable damage. You have to shotgun them down after to get these ammo shards. And that is just a no for me, Andy. Nah. I don't want to stop to corral a bunch of dummies to flamethrower them, to shotgun them, while I'm trying to run around and rocket guys. It's I don't get it. I don't know why they tried to force it. It's trying to create some depth, right? Like, right. And, and, you know, that's, that's the hard part about modern games is that you take a you take a franchise like doom which the earliest incarnations of doom are exactly what we've been describing it's just wanton death and rampage and explosions and demons just face melting right and that's all you need out of doom and if you're going in expecting a doom but the guys making doom are going okay well how do we make this doom for 2020 what does that look like how do we how do we get some additional layers of depth in here. Where's the replayability, Carl? That was fun for 15 hours. But what if I want to replay this for another 15 hours? Well, we got to get some sort of collection mechanism in here. We got to we got to create some depth around the collectability of the items in the game. And that man is the destructive thinking that leads to like just less good versions of games. In my humble opinion. I I think you're right. I think they tried to You always want to tweak the formula a little bit. I think yeah. you do, especially on a sequel, because then otherwise you should have just made it an expansion, right? Right. So you want to do something a little bit more, but I think what they missed the point of is what the heart of the Doom experience is, and they made the mistake of bolting a bunch of shit on to the game, and I, yeah. I saw a quote from one of the developers, and they're like, we really want to create like a thinking man's Doom, and when I read that, I'm like, oh, we're fucked. i don't want to do those two things together like if i can if i can equate it isn't that like saying i want it to be a thinking man's nascar right are those like clear like nascar is awesome because fast and it's loud and it's happening right now and people are making split second decisions that i'm gonna say are awesome and if you're if you were like okay um 
you're gonna have to stop every four laps and just do a brief math problem and that's that's really gonna it's really gonna make it a thinking man's nascar i would say that you're wrong you're wrong to do that i would say that you missed out on what nascar is full disclosure i'm not a nascar guy dan and i, I wasn't aware that you are and i suddenly feel a little different about you but that's okay so, not different bad just different so nascar uh, blew up a couple years ago, became extremely popular, and they started to look for other ways to expand their audience. And uh, their first thing is they made a bunch of like lady NASCAR stuff. So you're thinking like pink camo and uh, like blouses and stuff, and that was interesting. And then they have a move that I would say is hallowed into literary history. They approached a, a, a very, very uh, good selling Harlequin romance writer. To commission a series of Harlequin romances yes. that were NASCAR branded. Yes. And what Andy, is the name of this series? Do you think it's worth Googling? Would you mind doing a Google? My Kindle is ready. <laughs> NASCAR, Harlequin. Oh my God, here we are. Harlequin NASCAR series. Good Lord. There are. Can I oh, vote yes. one? Uh, it's oh one God. should be one should be rubbers to the road, right? <laughs> Buddy, we've got dangerous curves. Yes. We've got to the limit. Okay. We've so, got so. in the groove. We've okay. got on the edge. Mm. We've got ladies start your engines. There it is. <laughs> there you go. And speed dating. I mean, eh. okay, two good titles. I feel like the other titles, they could have done better. But here's one of the things that the Harlequin writer was res restricted by was they had to take their very steamy uh, books and make them PG. So I imagine there's going to be some embracing. There's going to be some just deep innuendo uh, because the famous Harlequin line for Dick is member. But they probably mm. couldn't even go that way. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. Special Agent CeCe Blackwell is smart, savvy, and knows her way around a race car. Heading up a team to investigate the murder of a NASCAR driver is right up her alley. Oh, there it is. That's one of the euphemisms. He yes. said he... The only he would, problem he... is NASCAR star Blaine Sanders, the man who requested Blaine. Blaine Sanders. Blaine is well-heeled, well-connected, and drop-dead gorgeous. And he knew Cece when she was a drag-racing tomboy with grease under her nails. Oh, yes! Boom. Buddy, I'm reading this tonight. So, it, that's... I'm that, gonna this is... I'm going to draw a bath, I'm going to smoke a joint, and it's going to be all about Dangerous Curves by See, Pamela Britton. Andy, I kind of want to read it. But I don't want I it to be. Want to read it. But I, I don't want it to become real. Do you know what I mean? I want to read it because I'm curious about how hilariously bad it is. But it might jump the shark, and now I'm actually into it. And then where do you go from there, buddy? You're gonna be the kind of guy who's traveling around with a Harlequin romance novel in the in the in the in the cockpit there in the in the, uh, the riding shotgun. You know, there's another uh, euphemism right there. Cockpit. Ooh, they use that girl. for sure. Yeah, I was on an airplane. Um, I'm guessing also stick shift. Uh, glove box. Ooh, help, help me out here, buddy. Uh, buddy leather interior, I, maybe. You're gonna have to help me out. This is this is just throttle. Like, oh, I got it. Throttle body. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is frisky. It's frisky all over. Daint risky business. Torque risky converter. Business. I was on a, I was on an airplane shortly before the um before the pandemic, and 
Uh, crankshaft. I can't believe I forgot crankshaft. I'm sorry, Andy. I interrupted you. It's all right, pal. Go. It's okay. It was a good one. I was sitting next to a very unassuming, uh, kind of mousy, like librarian-looking lady um, mm-hmm. in her maybe mid fifties. Sure. And uh, and yeah, she whipped out the Harlequin. Like, and I gotta I gotta say, if you're pulling out a Harlequin romance novel on an airplane, you got some stones. Doesn't you know give a saying? fuck. Like, does not give one honey badger of a damn. Right. She's just looking you dead in the eyes and eating Werther's originals, <laughs> buddy. Let me. I, it wasn't Werther's originals. I think it was. Uh, I think it was banana plantain chips. But she was snacking and a reading, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to know what else was going on. But uh, yeah, she was. She was feeling it. Probably feeling mild it. arousal. Uh, yikes! I don't know where <laughs> how we got here. Doom Eternal. Uh, did you? Did you? chuff a bone while you were sawing down your demons and, and, and putting together your spreadsheets for armor shards? I did, and it did help. And I, I I feel like I shat on Doom Eternal a little bit. It hit me in that analytical no-no zone. It does have some cool levels. The level design is it feels really good most of the time. And it does have a, c- a couple cool sequences where you take control of a demon and you get to uh, do what we've always wanted to do, which is, you know, fire rockets from a death's head. And that's kind of cool. So it does some neat things. It's not not playable. I just I feel like it's create it's committed in doom tradition, some deep, dark sins that mm. maybe can't be forgiven. But I'll probably still finish things this thing up. So, uh, so Dan, are you going to you know, share Final Fantasy seven with us now? Or are you going to wait until you beat that guy up for uh, for next podcast? You know what? I teased the crowd with it, and I'm come gonna on, hold it Dan. back. I'm going to hold it back for the You're next horrible. cast. Horrible. Um, I will tell you though, in this game, there is, and you're going to have to wait for it. Oh, I really dislike you. I just want to know: Are Barrett's hands still octagons? You have to tune in to find out. Oh, Maybe come on, Maybe it's it's highly modeled everything, and just just polygons for hands polygons are i really like that would have been the ultimate if or or maybe if they had like a like an unlockable weapon that turned his hands into the straight polygons that they were i think that that would be permissible as well i feel like somebody really smart told you that and it was yeah. really good <laughs> I, andy like you know what did happen they took the model of tifa and they rendered her into beautiful uh graphics of this generation and they looked at her and they went ooh. Those cans are too big. We got to scale those down. Buddy, you've been reading too many Harlequin romance. Actually, you've been diving too deep on the Tifa Lockhart fa- fan fiction. Believe me, there's more than an internet's worth. Tifa Lockhart and the Buster Sword. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, Dan, I jumped online um, and started uh, started tooling around in Albion Online. Have you heard of this title before? Yeah, I think it was in like my 1988 copy of PC Gamer. Is that right? <laughs> so as um, as populations of online gamers are surging over the past few weeks, just about every game that has a free-to-play slant uh, has seen everybody on the internet jump in to see what it's all about. And there's admittedly some pretty god-awful free-to-play titles out there with horrendous monetization. Um, there's some other free-to-play titles like Lord of the Rings Online, which, by the way, I think um, until the middle or maybe the end of this month, all of their content is free. So, wow. 
yeah, that's pretty. So if you if you guys haven't played, uh, for anyone who hasn't played Lord of the Rings online, that game is excellent, and it's probably got like two thousand hours of content. Um, and if you're a Tolkien, you know, nerd, that's the place to go. Um, and for it to be free is pretty awesome. So you know. If there ever was a time to play that game, it's now. But Albion Online, uh, I jumped into with my wife because I've been wanting to um, been wanting to settle into another online game for a little while, just to kind of have something to do after that 11 p.m. mark for a little while. And um, man, so how does this hit you, Dan? Are you a are you like a full loot PvP? Another person kills you, you drop all your shit and they take it. How does that How does that strike you? I kind of, I want to say that I love it, but I'm a little bit scared of it because I got <laughs> those things. I, I, I found them and I bought them and I'm using them now and you're just going to take them? Yeah. I mean, so for me, I don't know. I feel like most people who are playing, you know, massively multiplayer online games, whether it's like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy or whatever it might be, are super not into that lane of thinking the only game that's done it with any level of success for a very long time admittedly is eve online right eve is a full loot pvp game um the focus of the game is going out and running missions and building up your wealth and your reputation so that you can buy bigger and bigger ships uh spaceships so you can go out into the wilds of space kill people and take their stuff and Albion Online is the exact same thing, except it feels like a modernized version of like RuneScape yes. with um, with like MOBA, like League of Legends style combat. Well, I shouldn't say League of Legends. Style. It's like League of Legends mixed with World of Warcraft style combat. And it's just, it's so exactly what I was looking for, Dan, because it's simple and the interface like doesn't take a lot of learning and getting used to, but the game is like a million miles wide. There's infinite stuff to do. So have, you haven't you've been playing you haven't played any online games in a while, I imagine, right? It's been mostly mostly single I, player I have, titles. I actually dipped my snout back into Lord of the Rings, and okay. uh, I had to accept the deep sadness that my guild hall had literally like been taken by the sheriff for failure to pay dues. <laughs> and because you actually, it won't just take money out of your gold. They want you to come and like hit that pay rent button. Yeah. And I didn't. And I was like, I contact support. I'm like, hey man, where's all my stuff? Chests and chests full stuff. I'm like, he's like, oh, it's gone. Was it longer than 30 days? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's gone. So it simulated the real feeling of like a sheriff's property auction. Like, nice. It's except it's been deleted into oblivion. Now, I, so mm. I, I haven't been playing a lot of other ones. I did see Albie and I've looked at it a bit. I really like the art style. It's. Yeah. It's a little bit wowish with a little bit more smoothness to the graphics and just the text on the text writing on the screen and in quest menus is really clean and, and, and easy on the eyes. And that makes a big difference. You know, it, it's funny. You're like you're touching on something really kind of intangible, but that's super important to me. And that's how like lightweight a game feels. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the mental load of of loading up a game that's super cluttered, graphically intensive, like a lot going on. I very rarely ever want to do that, especially on like a computer. I'm okay with that on like a console because the simplification of having like a controller in my hands makes it more okay that everything that's going on on the screen is complex. 
But when I'm logging into like a computer game, I don't want something that's menus and cluttered and really busy. Like Albion Online is so aesthetically appealing and so simplistic in its in its visuals, but also really like really pretty, really striking. Uh, and the gameplay loop is really satisfying. And so, you know, in Albion, um, basically you start off on a tutorial island where it teaches you all the fundamentals of the game. And then they let you loose into this enormous continent where as you stray further and further away from civilization, um, the world becomes more and more player owned. So you get out into what they call the Blacklands, right? And the entire world is just owned by guilds that are putting together like guild halls and warring with each other and killing travelers on site. And there's also, you know, rare resources and dungeons and stuff out there that people are fighting over so that they can make more stuff so they can wage more wars and kill each other and do the things that guilds do in these kind of games. Right. And so it's, it's really fascinating because the, the tutorial Island like teaches you everything you need to know. You go and you can kill things and you can loot them and you can go, and the crafting in this game is really cool. Like, you can chop down trees and mine for things, and you can just be a crafter, which is really interesting. That's because... something you do. That would be an Andy move. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going that direction. I don't need another job. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like Eve, right? Like, if you've played Eve, you know, part of the game is the, a big part of the game is the economy, and Albion's the same thing. So in Eve... You've got, you know, countless star systems and you can spend your entire time in Eve shuttling your ship between um, planets, delivering goods from one place where you bought them to another place where you're selling them for a higher price. And unlike in like World of Warcraft, where everything's just in your bank, if you're in Stormwind or Orgrimmar or wherever you are, you have access to your stuff. In Albion and Eve, you have to physically move it around the game world. And the game world is super dangerous because people are looking to kill you when you're rolling around with a bunch of stuff in your backpack. Highwaymen. <laughs> Highwaymen, yeah. So it's it's like it's such a break from my usual gameplay loops of like an RPG where it's okay, where am I going next to kill the mobs, to to kill the boss, to level up, to get more gear, to go and kill more things that look more impressive. But I'm generally doing the same thing. This is like you get dropped in and there's really not a whole lot of direction, Dan. It's go make progressively better and better gear by either crafting it, killing things and getting money and buying it, or killing other people and stealing it, and work your way to the top. Have fun. <laughs> that's the game. It's interesting. Like I just come across a YouTube video that's like the six mistakes that new players often make. And I like a game that has mistakes to make. As I play certain uh, MMORPGs, some of them are so on the rails, like yeah. the way you're describing, that you really actually can't mess up. Um, yeah. so, so that's interesting. And I, I like a game that's sandboxy like this and has the kind of, like you say, lightweight me menu interface. And what I would say is like really clean art that is a little WoW-esque, but is different enough you're not like... It doesn't look like you're looking at WoW. It's it's smoother, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's like it's got kind of a minimalist, impressionistic kind of look to it. And let me tell you another great thing about Albion Online. And by the way, this game is freaking packed right now. Like I, the tutorial island is jammed full of new players. Like it's it's in, experiencing an enormous influx of players. Um, 
but uh, with respect to with respect to the game, it's three gigabytes to download. High five. That's pretty, that's pretty tight. You can even yeah, get that bro. on a two meg connection. It only take you what a day and a half. <laughs> it means something to me because, to be honest with you, you know I've I've played um, Lord of the Rings, which is a title from like '06 or '04 or something. Today it's like forty gigs. Game big, thing. huge. Yeah, WoW is like sixty gigs. Um, the Elder Scrolls Online is like sixty gigs. Final Fantasy is like fifty or sixty gigs. So to anytime you want to jump into one of those games and you're reinstalling it on your hard drive, it's like, okay, great. So I'll play this in 48 hours. Albie and I literally downloaded it in, in 20 minutes and was kicking ass five minutes later. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, yeah. So I would rec, I highly recommend it. Like I've obviously just gotten started in it. I've got a pretty good scope of what it looks like. And you're, you're right, man. I mean, you know, it's just a very different, gameplay loop and you can jump into the subreddit and take a look around at what's going on with some other players and people are constantly posting photos of like oh i got killed today and this is what i lost and that's just Ah. not something you see a lot you know it's It's very reminiscent of like the hardcore servers on everquest yeah and this is like a game where you have your armor and your weapons and then you have your backup armor and weapons oh yeah Oh, you expect to lose it if you're going like that's the rule in Eve Online. It has been forever. It's the rule in this game too. You don't you don't wear out anything that you can't lose ten times over because you're gonna lose it. You're gonna get you're gonna go out. You're gonna kill a couple dudes. You're gonna do some stuff, and then at some point you're probably gonna get jumped, and someone's gonna best you. And when you die, you're gonna lose all your stuff. It's not, you just, you're finished, you know? So I, I've really, um, I'm interested in this because there's, there's just, it's, there's a lack of linear focus. You can kind of just do whatever you want. You get in there, you, whatever, you grind out some additional equipment or, or, you know, some additional experience points, um, to unlock some new abilities or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, the objective of the game is not to get to end game and raid and, beat the big boss and dungeons and stuff. It's just, it's just to kind of take a dent out of the server and, and, you know, maybe make someone mad or support a group or, you know, or be, be invincible or whatever it might be. But it's, it's a highly personal experience. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like, I, a, I like a realm where you can be impactful because I think that's something that can be taken out of the experience and has been for accessibility and for people to feel safe. But, with safety becomes it becomes this stale sort of immutable world that you can't actually affect. And just looking at this, it looks like you can really impact others in the game and the environment. Like it's a lot more of a sandbox, and I dig that. Uh, you may have yeah. sold me on Albion, buddy. Yeah, you got to give it not a, a not a sponsor, not somehow. a sponsor yet. Now they are. <laughs> you know, it's funny because these guys release a lot of like game developer diaries and you can watch 18, 19 minute clips of their of their dev team just sitting down and talking about what's next, right? And it's just, it's neat to see. I mean, listen, a lot of games do this, but these guys are, they, they've got a really niche product. Like, let's be real. Most people don't want that experience. They want a theme park MMO. They want to play Final Fantasy or they want to play World of Warcraft. They want to beat the boss. They want to have the shiniest stuff so they can go sit in town and, and show it off. And hey, man, that's cool. Like I, I've done that plenty. That's a that's a, a game model I'm very familiar with. 
These guys are super passionate about what they're doing. And full loot PvP is like in the MMO community, super niche. Most people yeah. do not want it. You know, it can create some real challenges in a community that are hard to police. You know, if you think about it in in World of Warcraft or in, in another mainstream MMO, if you're griefing somebody, if you're causing their gameplay experience to be crappy, you're going to get banned. That's generally how it works. In games like EVE and games like Albion, you know, it can really, like, for better or for worse, be a breeding ground for inappropriate behavior. Guys who join a guild and work their way into the inner circle of trust and gain permissions and access into, you know, goods and items that the guild is working towards and, and hoarding together and, and helping them out right up until the point where they ransack the vaults, burn down all the buildings and run off into the wilderness, you know, and someone, someone like, you know, three months of your life or four months of your life, like, helping build this guild and do all this fun stuff and wage PVP war against another group has just been utterly destroyed by, you know, this person. (laughs) Yeah, this interloper. And, you know, you can go to the forums and you can call the dev team and you can, you know, summon a game master and be like, Hey, like this isn't, this is not cool. And they'll tell you, you know, that's kind of the game, man. So good luck. Go build another thing. Oh man. So it's it's there's a brutal reality to it even on yeah. the meta game level. Yeah, well I think listen and you know these games kind of get a lot of uh, get a bad rap because you know it, it, for sure if you're I don't want to say a toxic person like that maybe just is what you're looking for in a game like the ability to go and kind of exercise some of these sociopathic uh you know uh, activities and then in your normal life you're just a normal person it's just what you wanted to do in a game fine and dandy um, but I would also argue that people helping each other in a game like this or banding together towards a common cause or just achieving things in game together is really more interesting and admirable because there is that element of risk kind of so- I don't want to say kind of like the real world but kind of like the real world where there are actually things at stake and that makes the actual connection between players more legitimate because they're not got skin just in the on game. rails. Yeah. Yeah. The, You're skin yeah. in the game. Let me ask you a question that's that's pressing in my mind. Yeah. So in WoW, in other MMOs, you go AFK somewhere. Yes. And you just sort of come back. If you go AFK in this game anywhere, someone can just run up to you, kill you, and take all your gear? Well, it depends where you... So the way that this game and EVE both uh, manage that is there are safe spots that you can go afk and like there's different zones right so the heartlands um like the sorry i don't know what it came what it's called like the the central area of the kingdom the only way you can kill each other is if you're on uh, opposing factions so if you're kind of more of a pve minded player you might go and level yourself up with a faction by doing like quests for that faction or re- gathering resources for that faction or whatever. And then if someone's part of another faction that's in opposition to yours, you guys can kill each other in the open world, but you can't just kill anybody, right? Then gotcha. there's the red zone, which is kind of the intermediary between the kingdom and the wilds, where if you're out in the red zone, you can definitely get jumped uh, and killed by other players, right? Um, and then 
but there's no like guild versus guild or active kind of like PVP war going on in that territory. So it's a little bit more um, coincidental. If you go into the black, so that's the like outlands way outside of the kingdom, right? Which is the majority of the game world, frankly, is this black area. It's it's a free for all, man. Like you could you could be anywhere and just get murked. Then that's that's kind of how it is. So you gotta you gotta log off in a in a secure spot, and and that's just how it is. Yeah, if you're if you go for a pee break, you could come back and be real dead. Mm. Albion Online, gutless. Godless. Godless. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to, listen, you know, I still don't know how this is going to go over with my wife the first time she gets murked and all of her hours worth of progress get erased by some goon. Right. Um, But I have to, I have to just bring it back to one thing. So I was playing with her on a PVP server like 10 years ago, right. In world of Warcraft. And we played quite, I made her, I should say, play a lot of World of Warcraft over the last 10 years. It's kind of been our, you know, off season, middle of winter, kids are in bed, we're going to play a little World of Warcraft. That's what we've done, right? And despite the fact that we've played quite a bit, one of our like most memorable moments was 10 years ago playing on this PvP server and getting griefed by this dude who had named his Tauren warrior Harry Butthole. Nice. <laughs> just, I like, like him already. Class act. Just a class act. And so, you know, we're sitting there minding our business, doing a quest or whatever it is. And he just came in and started just, he was like maybe five or six levels higher than we were. Just smashed us over and over again, just into the into the ground, right? And so um, after he had done this, we, instead of just continuing to quest... We, whatever, cooked up a little strategy to uh, to retaliate and to try and fight back. And we ended Home up- Home Alone kind of, style. That's paint it, cans. Buddy. That's it. We, we, we realized we actually, like, just by using our cooldowns properly and kind of practicing good PvP instead of focusing on questing and then getting killed but when we were at half health or whatever, we ended up camping this guy for, like, 45 minutes. <laughs> and he had to log out. Because we he, he couldn't get away from us. So it was a high five moment for us, right? Because that, you know, we were like, oh, wow. Like, you know, this guy came in and was ruining our day. And we turned it around and ended up, you know, camping him for 45 minutes. And that moment is probably the most memorable moment I have playing that game over like a decade. You, you, have, so, you have griefed the griefer. That's it, man. There's There's like a little bit of, you know, and you take it away from what that is. And it's just like you're playing the sport, you're playing the game and you won. And there's, there's something legit. You're like, Oh wow. I, that was a moment that was of consequence in, you know, a relatively rinse and repeat cycle of questing and doing things in dungeons and stuff, which is fun in its own merit, but not quite as memorable. So yeah, interesting to see where Albion online goes. Cause, um, it's, it's a game that's made for those kind of moments, you know? Yeah. In, in a land of scripted narratives, and railed experiences, an emotionally charged moment that was not on the map is something, right? And sometimes those are more meaningful than downing the raid boss is a moment like that. So I think space for that to happen is pretty cool. And, you know, there's a theory out there that some of my friends subscribe to is I'm only winning if somebody else is losing. <laughs> Yeah, well, ain't that the truth, Dan? Ain't that the truth? Oh, my goodness. Um, Hey, dude, uh, we are going long here. Do you want to jump into the smoke sesh? I think we should. 
Let's do it. session smoking session hey dan are hey, you ready buddy. to smoke some marahoochie oh man it's been so long well i'm gonna i'm gonna level with you pal i've been puffing on my vape pen this entire show oh I've been judas <laughs> you know what man like I, I'm, I'm thinking and maybe it's an email from our listeners um maybe we should just like get the smoke sesh going earlier in the podcast mm, yep. i feel like that uh, could be a thing we should maybe try it next time just like yeah me Get it fired up in the first half. Maybe right after sponsors. Something like that. So I've had many requests for return of fake sponsors, which oh, I think really? we're going to have nice. to do. Yeah. And then oddly, no requests for the return of uh, Jeremy Irons. But so I think we bring back <laughs> not one request, not one request. I even teased it out there. I'm like, oh, no more Jeremy Irons. That's kind of a drag, eh? Silence. Silence. There. Yeah. Well, done. So. Listen, pal, uh, I tell you what, let's, uh, why don't we hit it with Jeremy Irons right fucking now? You can tell me go. all about what I've been vaping on, which is Super Lemon Haze. I've got a Super Lemon Haze vape cart here by Avitas. That is the, uh, that is the 48 North uh, da, 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 uh, sub-brand. And, dude, it is terpy as all get out. This guy has got almost like a... Well, I mean, obviously citrus, but it's a very woodsy citrus uh, smell I got going on here. So I'm going to go ahead and vape a little on this if you want to Jeremy Irons my way into the Leafly. Super Lemon Haze is a sativa-dominant hybrid of lemon skunk and super silver haze and two-time Cannabis Cup winner. I can't even do it. I'm too out of practice. I'm going to have to take it again from the top. A sativa... A sativa-dominant hybrid of lemon skunk and super silver haze and two-time Cannabis Cup winner from Greenhouse Seeds, Super Lemon Haze is a keef-caked, multicolored wonder. As the name states, this strain has real lemony characteristics. The smell is zesty, citrusy, and a little sweet. As for the taste, it's everything one would expect from the namesake, tart and sweet like lemon head candy. Not quite as sharp as one would expect. The effects are uniquely energetic and lively. May not be the best strain for those of us that are naturally wound tight, Andy. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, see, it was not you that said interesting, but anxiety itself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why I've been going like a mile a minute on this podcast. It is maybe one of the most energetic, energizing strains I've had recently. And truth be told, I've been vaping on this um, for most of the week. <laughs> it is a uh, it's a really beautiful smokes or vape, I should say. Um, the the lemon. So you know when you get a little bit of that like tart lemon flavor in the back of your throat, mm-hmm. I find that that ling- lingers every time I vape on this and there's like a sweetness in the front of my mouth and that tart kind of lemony flavor in the back of my throat. It's one of the most flavorful vapes I think I've had. Um, and you know, there's a little bit, like I mentioned, there's a little bit of that woodiness on the exhale too, which kind of keeps it 
really grounded. Like it leaves a nice kind of neutral sensation in my mouth also. So I got to say, it's a really delicious strain. I'm a big fan of, uh, of super, super lemon haze. Um, and I wasn't aware that it was originally bred by greenhouse seeds, but that doesn't surprise me. GS, wow. GH, GHS. Some uh, words. where it's all about. Some words from Blunt Force Trauma. Ninth. Sorry. Let me say it again. Let me do it again. Uh, and a quick review here from user Blunt Force Trauma. Awesome username. He Pretty says, good. all troubles and bad thoughts left my mind and felt an upbeat energy. Smells like lemon peel dipped in some gasoline. Very fruity, zesty smell that covers the square footage of my room. <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good man you know that's one of the key hallmarks of good weed is can you smell it everywhere else that it's not um and you know i uh i wish that i had a nice uh, nice nug of super lemon haze i've had super lemon haze quite a lot in amsterdam um that seems to be everywhere there uh which isn't surprising given that it originates there so um yeah really really enjoying this nice vape uh, and will continue to do so i've actually got a vessel vape pen so those of you who have never heard of vessel before it is a um it is a like a 510 uh cart battery that um really enjoying it dan i got actually got i have an extra one i can probably uh toss over to you it's got a really nice, um, it's got a really nice variable voltage scenario going on, and the aesthetic of the of the pen itself is really beautiful. And when you hold down on it, the the power. How do I even describe this? The power that it administers to your cartridge is like the perfect amount to not get a singe, but to get a nice deep cloud. I've had carts that I've put on other five ten batteries and been unable to get a satisfying draw off of that I throw on the vessel, and it's like, bam, right in your mouth, emerald style. So this thing is like in the the honey spot. It's in the honey spot, pal. It's in that sweet spot. It's in that twilight zone. Andy, I got myself some Ultra Death Star here, (laughs) and also known as Death Death Star Ultra. that uh, That sounds interesting. And I had a beautiful vacuum sealed pack that is opaque, totally silvered. So when I opened this, it was as the day it was packed in. And what struck me was the pepper explosion of karyophyllene with this really cool herbal citrus second note to it. And it indeed did fill the room. Uh, This nug is tight. It is cured, not dried. And it is got sort of brown dark hairs and very dark greenery among it and it is cakey i'm very excited for this fella and uh, i think it's gonna hit me like a sledgehammer why don't you uh why don't you read us uh what leafly has to say about this bad boy yeah buddy around two three years ago i had a pink death star which is death star crossed with pink kush and that shit um was borderline narcotic man i i was i was severely <laughs> severely uh, couch locked death star is a potent cross of sensi star and sour diesel that combines sweet skunk and fuel aromas into a pungent fragrance that isn't easy to hide this strain may not have the ability to destroy planets uh, but it does have quite the powerful buzz. I would say that's an understatement. Effects can be slow to onset, but once they do, <laughs> Death Star takes away all cares and replaces them with a state of relaxed euphoria. Uh, great for daytime or nighttime use. This Ohio native now has fans throughout the galaxy. And Mr. Scooge, user Scooge on Leafly here said, 
After I smoked this, I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of neurons suddenly cried out in terror and were silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. (laughs) Now, not as expected, this guy was smooth, and the pepperiness was very even on the palate. And even on the exhale, there's actually a little bit of woodsiness in there. Nice. Uh, very, very, very easy smoking. I was so surprised because of the heaviness it showed up. I saw that main laser power up, and I figured I would be as Alderon blown to smithereens, but uh, no. <laughs> Alderdan. I like what you did there. Yeah, that thank plays. you. I appreciate that. Thank you. That thank plays. you. Little pun. Little pun. Well, we are getting pretty close to the end of our podcast here. Did want to take a look at some of the uh, titles released in April. <clears throat> Other than the aforementioned Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, nothing particularly interesting on here. There's a Trials of Mana. uh, Trials of Mana release, which is... Is this a... Yeah, this is the third game in the Mana series. So this is a remake um, of Trials of Mana. The last one was... Go ahead. Uh, no, I just was going to say it's coming out for PS4, Switch, and PC. So I'm likely to pick up the Switch version. Are you uh, are you going deep on this? The last one was received with kind of a so-so thing. I didn't play mm-hmm. it, and I, this one probably won't hit my table. You know, a, a couple interesting elements on here. Obviously, the Final Fantasy remake, uh, Resident Evil 3, which I, I was, I'm going to say is going to be one of the toughest Resident Evil's to remake because it straddled the border between the old style survival horror and the new yeah. style kind of survival, so that new style survival arcade shooter. Uh, you know, not all the way there, uh, and it seems that they executed it with a, a fair degree of mastery. You know, keeping a lot of the same feelings of that game and uh, and bringing them forward. They're talking about a remaking Resident Evil Four, and I think that one's going to be a different, difficult uh, thread to needle. Uh, for where it is in the series and how soon it's been. be interesting to see what they do with that, but uh, if you're a Resident Evil fan, that's that's a pickup for sure. Yeah. I also see Gears Tactics here, which I, man, I do not know. So a Gears of War-based real-time strategy game. First and foremost, the real-time strategy genre is so weird I feel like it starts and ends with those Blizzard titles with, with, with StarCraft, and I just don't know. Like, what are the top real-time strategy games right now? So this is the vein that it's in. It's in the vein of the newer XCOM games. Right. Um, very, very similar. Like, almost a reskin. And so if you like squad-based scenarios like that, I think it's going to play very well for you. Also on our April list is XCOM uh, Chimera Squad, which... It's been a little bit of time since a new uh, expansion for XCOM, and uh, I took a quick look at this. What really jumped out to me is they have a new breaching mechanic. So when you're starting a mission, um, you can choose breach locations for one of your teams. So you can really create that kind of battlefield situation that... Uh, you're looking for one of the frustrations for XCOM players going all the way back to, you know, the originals is you kind of had to go in the doors of the buildings, which would very often be choke points and death. And when you're getting your guys in position, being able to create a second or third entrance and control the battlefield is just such a satisfying thought for uh, a player that's had his guy die in doorways 
for 20 years <laughs> through <laughs> six different games. So that actually does butter my egg roll. So uh, that nice. that's that's might be a pickup. I also want to point out a couple more, if I may. A you Predator may Hunt- just hold up for one second though, because I pulled up the best RTS games of the year, right? Of okay. 2020. Seems and salient. You're talking about XCOM and XCOM. Great. I mean, really more of an individual. How do you, how do you even, what do you even call XCOM? It's like an, it's a, it's an ind- more individual kind of squad based strategy. Squad game. strategy. Turn yeah. based. Yeah. Cause like when I see gears, um, when I see uh, the Gears of War, uh, what's called Gears Tactics, that's coming out right now, I'm, I'm just I'm really curious to see if this actually has any teeth. Because taking a first person strategy, um, a first person strategy IP, and turning it into a RTS in a climate that's not particularly RTS friendly. Like if I look at the best RTS games to play on PC right now, you've got companies Company of Heroes two. I haven't played it. Uh, Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, that's an old game. Supreme Commander, that's an old game. Shadow Tactics, Blade of the Shogun, never heard of it. Uh, Starcraft 2, an old game. Homeworld, which is the remastered version of Homeworld 2, an old game. Command and Conquer, Red Alert 2, an old game. Warcraft 3, an old game. There's, there's not a lot of new RTSs coming out you know, that have, have gained any measure of traction. Buddy, throwing tactics on the end of a title as you're trying to say to your fan base, this is a very specific thing that also has the paint job of that thing you really like. And if you like one or potentially both of these things, go do that thing because it is kind of a niche. You, when you see tactics, you know it's in the the vein of some of those games, Xbox or sorry, Xbox XCOM, Final Fantasy Tactics. And I feel like when you look at it, you know if that's going to be the game for you. It is a, a try for me, but am I going to put 40 or $60 down? That might nah, be a man. tough sell. Well, and it's, it's like, you know, you look at just RTS games in general. I've just It's so funny. They've fallen out of favor with the exception of StarCraft. And StarCraft yep. and WarCraft have been such ubiquitous like titles with gaming, with competitive gaming. They're so at the center and have been for ever and even starcraft now of course is still very much like uh, a competitive game and, and very much in the limelight but rts's in general just are not popular and starcraft it's weird, right starcraft is a street fighter of its genre people are still playing number two heavily you know what i mean so it, yeah, it's that makes of- sense but but fighting games I mean, new fighters come out every single year right. fighting games are still a very popular genre rts uh, fighting- is like Fighting games are kind of a niche in terms of, like, the player base. They kind of are. Like, they're considered a niche, and I think so is this. Um, but you can see by the release, the audience, obviously, they they are skipping, uh, for at least for this moment, a PS4 release or a Switch release. Um, PCs probably means Microsoft, and it probably is on live play. What's the Microsoft's X Play? Is that the, what the, X, the Xbox? I can't, no, they're, they're yeah, they're they're play. Yeah, for Cross sure, play. man. I mean, that's that's another thing you can't play an RTS on a console. Like, there's been many RTS games out for console since I think N64 had a version of Star StarCraft, and of course, um, you know, through the ages and up till now, still still very much a thing, uh, and never comfortable. Always you know, super not not. You know good. what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a a, a real real time strategy crossover of The Sims, like The Sims Tactics. 
And the premise of the game is you can enlist your Sims family into a real-time strategy game like a, a tactics and carry out missions. I would say for the government, but I'd accept some other conceit. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, regardless, the uh, the RTS genre is super weird to me, and I'm curious if it'll ever see a resurgence. What the next like iteration of real-time strategy games looks like, you know, with various technical advancements maybe we get to a place where that's a really compelling game but right now I feel like the you know uh drag and select and rush an enemy base with RTS you know precision model is not it's not particularly sexy to today's gamer yeah I mean it's a cheap development cycle on an RTS in many cases and I think as a genre, in many ways, it's kind of hit its ceiling. Uh, it can only, you know, change and get better in so many ways. But uh, gaming development community, prove me wrong. Yeah. Speaking of gaming development, how about this freaking PS5 controller? Oh, yeah. They dropped Did that you see this little thing? ditty. Oh, yeah, man. It's uh, it's an interesting. What do you think of that two-tone? Uh, so the controller looks like... It looks like... It looks like one of the robots from iRobot. You know what it looks like? It looks like Captain America getting ready to go back in time. Yeah, I don't. I, sure, it looks fine. Looks good. I'm um, not on this. I'm not on, sold on the two tone. Andy, I want a white controller. I want a black controller. Yeah, I'm and, with you, pal. Let's not try and get too fancy here. Eh? Yeah, and, and honestly, if I can say it. If it was going to be black and white, I think I want it reverse black and white. Black and white mm. the other way. More black, less white. Exactly. Let me tell you what my last white controllers ended up looking like, Dan. And that would have been my Xbox... Oh, God. Xbox 360. Uh, white controllers. Mm. They're brown now. Ugh. Like I, I just fished them out of, uh, fished them out of storage. And I don't know what it was. Maybe something spilled somewhere sometime. And nope. the years were, you know, unkind to those controllers. But they're a sticky brown. Have you ever Yuck. left a printer, like in installed a printer and then came back to it like 9 or 10 or 15 years later? The, <laughs> the plastic has achieved this kind of brownie yellow that shouts, Yum. I am old electronics. I'm ready for death. Like it's oh pal. They smell you're, different. You're, An old printer smells different than a new printer. Let me tell you, my IT professional friend, you're like one of those alien critters on the main spaceship in Mass Effect. What the hell are they called? The Spire. They've got those like ancient alien custodians that take care of all the ships like computer systems. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm a let's say I'm like one of the uh, Arc Mechanicum from 50, 40k. Is, it, is that am I saying it right? Arc Mechanicum, the the tech priests yeah, from the from the like, the tech priests wandering around whispering incantations to machines. That, I just I, that's how I picture your day, you know, just speaking to a dot matrix printer in tongues. Buddy, at one time you would have been right. Sadly, my job has changed to a more overseer role. Think uh, matrix architect. <laughs> <laughs> which is too bad because i prefer okay, talking... humble brag no i mean listen it's not a better job it, it, if you really think about uh, it if you're like hey listen to the head you... honcho 
If you were offered, hey, you can be like a tech monk going around fixing arcane technology, or you can sit in this room of screens and monitor things, which sounds like more fun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'd love to follow you around someday, Dan. It's funny because uh, I'm, now I mostly stay in one place where before there was one day that something happened that needed such attention. And I have to speak in generalities, but it ended up me working on or interacting with like 700 machines and covering 50 kilometers on my pedometer. Like I went everywhere that day to avoid disaster. Well, my tech priest friend, I, uh, I imagine you earned your share of holy oil that day. Many portions of oil. <laughs> uh, so what's your take on this controller? Does it look, uh, I don't know. Are you excited? So looks, You're not excited? Looks aside, let's talk about what it actually does. Thank God there's a microphone port in it still to attach your standard headphones. No dongle. fantastic. It is always listening as it. there's a con- oh. microphone in the controller and it will respond to voice commands at any time. And uh, actually, PlayStation put in a patent for uh, a Surface platform when they in- initially were in the couple of, uh, years of development for the, the PS5. And essentially what this Surface platform is, is an application layer that's always running over the game that one of its functions is to listen to what you're saying. And one of the uh, the, the points it made, made or examples it drew in the... Um, uh, help me out here. Uh, sorry, in the patent that they submitted was an example of its use would be if you were failing at beating a boss, it might hear you failing beating a boss and offer you the resource that most players use to beat that boss. And uh, it's uh-huh. only one mental leap to to think that that would be a micro tra- transaction. So uh, my deepest fear is my controller listening to see if i'm losing to offer me a resource that is that is the how is it listening to hear that you're losing like you just your curse words per minute have gone up i guess i i guess something like that also i mean if you're just failing at a boss the surfacing might notice that but it's it's a uniform program that'll work with every game (laughs) so So it it has to use some (laughs) your girlfriend's like yelling at you because you've played too many video games your controller prompts you with would you like to swipe right (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like a Tinder date. It it <laughs> offers you dial a bottle. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> uh, you Daniel, like you I believe get you high. need a Would single you... <laughs> malt scotch. Do you need three and a half grams of high THC indica? <laughs> Press exact... the A button. Yep. It's I mean, exactly listen, right. Who's who's uh, who's complaining about that? Nobody. I'll give up my social freedoms. Oh, buddy, I love that. Uh, uh, so horrifying uh, uh, features aside. There is also a haptic feedback on the controller. And the way I've heard it been talked about is that you will actually feel like you're driving through mud when you're driving through mud. It, it'll, it gives a kind of forced feedback. And I don't know if you've ever used uh, certain telephones have haptic feedback on it, but the, the sensation is quite interesting and they can create a lot of different vibes <laughs> with that deck. Dan, we've been doing that for many years. Call the fucking rumble pack there, bud. Let's not... Uh... Let's not get out ahead of ourselves. Listen, Rumble Pack is to haptic feedback what Carnival Ride is to uh, like Jet Fighter in terms of 
did you want your hand to shake with a relative amount of sensitivity that's going to later give you phantom arm syndrome? It'll twitch in the night. Or do you want like a nuanced sensation to flow through your hands? Oh, the rumble pack was so insane. Do you remember going over to a friend's house and they had just like their birthday just went by or something, received a rumble pack? Yes. And everyone's like, oh, the rumble pack. It's going to be. And it's so underwhelming. It's just so underwhelming. <laughs> There's just nothing. And you're playing Goldeneye or whatever you're playing. And eventually you're so irritated that things are rumbling all the time that you just take the rumble pack out and that's where it stopped. Rumble pack is like, hey, did you want your aim to be bad while you're also getting slapped by odd job? <laughs> you know what? Did it rumble when you slap as a job? Like when you slap? Oh, absolutely! It rumbles, right? Oh, you bet! Nice. It rumbles. It rumbles like you've taken a a rock to the head. It rumbles in the way that a concussion you think would feel like. You collect like, a rupee. <laughs> it rumbles. That's great. That's correct. But it, the whole thing is worth it. As much much suckage as was there, and uh, as much as they ended up dead, empty, with batteries taken out. The whole experience was worth loading those two batteries in and clipping that controller. Because as as a kid, that's the closest that I ever felt like I might be loading a shotgun. I'm like, right. And then click in there. I'm like, all right, now we're doing it. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing this. Oh, sweet Lord. Well, Dan, we got to take this thing to the spaceport. Uh, <laughs> we got we to land this ship, my friend. Listener questions or games you want us to play. Purple Dungeon Squid at Gmail. Dot com. Do your friends Andy and Dank Dan a favor and tell a close friend or stranger shouted through the window into the parking lot. Yeah, and uh, drop a note to Jeremy Irons and let him know that he's always welcome on the show. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Please, my friends, keep it dank. Fuck, I am high.